All right, we're running a bit late, so we should probably get this started, huh? Let's rock and roll. Let's do this. This is our our first podcast in a post Clockwork City world. It is, dude. This is a real exciting time. This is the best time to enjoy playing a game is when there's brand new stuff out there and, and you can play all sorts of dumb shit and get away with it. <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely excited, but I'm not gonna lie. There's a part of me that is a little bit sad and a little bit depressed. Why is that? Because I really like spoiler season. I like That's the true. theory crafting that comes with like when you see something for the first time and there's this like, yeah, you know, unknown surrounding it, and so there's all that speculation. Like the excitement, I'll say for example, of me after seeing Factotum when they were first revealed. And now is the soul, different. The soul-crushing reality that there's four of them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I am going to say that I, I miss it. And while I'm certainly excited to play new cards and that will help deal with my depression, there is a part of me that's a little sad. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I definitely like spoiler season. I mean, like, for instance, I haven't played standard and magic in years and I, uh, I still, when a new magic set's coming out, we'll go to MTG Salvation and like every day check in the rumor mill to see what new cards have been revealed. <laughs> I, thankfully, yeah. uh, I have a buddy of mine, God bless you, Adam, who will just send them to me like the moment, like I swear sometimes he's just at home or at work just hitting refresh over and over again. Because nice. it's like immediate, like something goes up and he's already sending me like, oh my gosh, did you see this incredibly awesome, like, dinosaur pirate thing? And Absolutely. So I, I have him who does that for me. Absolutely. Yeah, um, spoiler season was great. The, I think that, un, so like, in, in Heroes of Skyrim, uh, you know, as the spoilers were coming out, I feel like you and I um, did a pretty good job of gauging the power level of the most of the cards as they were being revealed. A lot of the cards were fairly straightforward in terms of power level. I think that this is much more akin to the Madhouse Collection, where uh, it's a slow burn. Like, I see a lot of people who are kind of confused about what they should be doing with some of these new cards and are concerned that the power level is too low. And uh, I think that now that we're starting to see the, some of the cards in action, I think... Uh, I think we're seeing um, that these are very well-designed, very high-skill-cap complicated cards that, that have been added to the game. It's a little bit of that, but for me, I also think it's just uh, further reinforcement that people have really short memories, especially when it comes to this game for some reason, because I remember when Heroes of Skyrim came out, it wasn't like... You know, with the exception of people who were like, okay, I have to try Dragons Day 1 because it was a very heavy theme. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like Heroes of Skyrim hit and things took off. I mean, it was like yeah, a, it was like a month and a half in before I even saw Support Mage. You know. Yes, Support Mage was like the last big new deck I think from the expansion. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, more than half I think of the latter, the day after the expansion came out, was Dragon Scout. Um, myself included. That's le like legit the first thing I did when I got that expansion. <laughs> So, of, of the cards, right, that yeah. uh, you've seen so far, because mm -hmm. I know that you've had the opportunity to jump on the ladder, and I have not yet. I hope right, to right. Uh, tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. What, what uh, 
what excites you so far? What have you seen early returns from? I gotta say the 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 one card that I have been most impressed with so far is Fabricate, and this is a card I talked some serious shit about at first. Um, but the flexibility that this card offers is pretty unparalleled, and um, there's there's an RNG element in terms of the cost it gives you, and the uh, so so when you cast Fabricate, so one Magicka neutral action, you get to build a creature, and so the first thing that happens is three casting costs show up. Uh, and then the next thing that happens is three abilities show up, and there's all the keywords, plus uh, give a creature plus one plus one, um, deal one damage, gain two life. And this card has been really good. Uh, it is just so flexible, and it offers the sort of... Uh, what it does is it sort of mitigates the variance of like drawing the wrong end of your curve at the wrong time. Because if you have a fabricate in hand, like there's a really good chance that like you can find something to do that turn or or set up your next turn if you fabricate casting cost options aren't what you're looking for. Just think fabricate's great. It's a card that's good early and it's a card that's good late. And uh, the creatures that it puts out are reasonably statted enough that the flexibility it offers is worth the extra one magicka that you're paying for what you're getting. But that's the one that I've been most impressed with. See, it's really interesting because one of the reasons I was not as, I guess, excited about that card when I first saw it, and, yeah. you know, after having, like, learned what it does, was because I immediately compared it to Blackmail. And yeah. I think that the reason that Fabricate might end up actually seeing more play than Blackmail did is just because of the ability to choose, mm -hmm. right? Like, that that flexibility... Like, your creature quality probably isn't going to be the same. Let's be honest. At this point in the game, if somebody's including creatures in their deck, it's probably because they're good creatures, right? Right, right, so right. So, with Blackmail, you can expect that you're getting something that's at least play-worthy, but you don't yeah. have any control. So, right. if you need that guard... Uh, but yep. you use like blackmail against you know charge crusader let's be honest like you're just going to get a creature with charge and that's going to be it right. Um, right you know if you're playing against prophecy battle mage then you know blackmail is going to get you probably right. something with prophecy that doesn't help you but exactly you know fabricate gives you flexibility so it, it is an interesting choice um mm -hmm. i've seen a couple of different keywords that i think are clearly you know the better ones yeah, uh, I think Ward is solid, Guard is solid, Drain can be in a pinch, and then I really like the uh, the plus one plus one, and I really yeah. like the deal one damage. Absolutely. Um, Chat's talking about College of Winterhold. Um, yeah, before hold, beforehand, right, like in the grindy matchups, College of Winterhold's purpose at one was to get you blackmail. <laughs> yeah. And now I honestly believe that in most instances, Fabricate is going to be the better choice. I mean, there's obviously going to be times when you're playing College of Winterhold where you're going to want to grab, a, you know, a rapid shot or something like that to screw up combat math. But yeah, absolutely. Um, Fabricate is fantastic with College of Winterhold. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I still really like my rapid shot, just because. I mean, I take rapid cycle. shot a lot. Yeah. I take, I take rapid shot so much with College of Winterhold, like it's yeah. almost absurd. But same here, same here. Um, so yeah, Fabricate has been super impressive for me. Uh, I've definitely enjoyed playing it, and um, but God, I mean, where do I begin, right? Gearwork Spider is another card that I kind of undervalued, and I've played probably a maybe two dozen games involving Gearwork Spider now, uh, both with and against it. 
and um, Yurik Spider is just really solid value. Um, for those of you out there who are Prophecy Battle Mage types of guys, I actually think Yurik Spider is something you should look at. Um, really? Would you say you would run that over like Sharpshooter Scout? Every day, all day. A little less reach, but the recursion can be so frustrating. And it's also the sort of thing that, like, in a, like, let's say, because Prophecy Battle Mage sometimes has a, uh, reaches a point in the game where it's like, well, my opponent's stabilized, uh, but they don't have life gain yet. So I'm only winning if I get my Afflicted Elit or my Lightning Bolts or my Charge Creatures. Gearwork Spider lets you grind out a little bit more than you otherwise would. And, uh, you know, the ability to have the first one die and then when you play the second one, have two guys on the board, those bodies end up mattering. And I think that if you adjust by just running a couple of items in your deck, maybe, I don't know if a lot of those decks run the 3-3 three, three for 5 in red with charge that puts an item in your hand when it slays something. Um, I think you can really get some value out of those creatures. But Gearwork Spider's been great. Endless Roadblocks, um, bringing them back repeatedly is fantastic. Uh, the value you can get off of them with uh, Halls of the Dwemer is great. I think Gearwork Spider's been a lot more impressive. So, uh... Somebody mentioned the clicks, and I, I'm wondering if you have the same problem that I do. Are What's you that? are you fidgeting? Because like right now, I'll put. It I up. am. I've got a fidget cube that has a clicker, yeah. but I usually try to avoid the clicker, so I've been doing my spin. I have tossed it aside. That's my apologize. No, That's I, my I just think it's kind of funny that you're doing the exact same thing that I do, and that somebody yeah. somebody noticed. Look, like we're we're antsy guys, all right? Yes. We we need to decompress after our long days. I know, man. It's Friday night. Like I, <laughs> I am relaxing. I am done with the work week, and this is one of the things I look forward to most. But I still can't help but every time I get in front of an audience, get a little nervous. So, yeah. I mean, I've taken my clothes off hundreds of times, but every time is like the first time. Wait, what? Absolutely, especially on stage. Um. So, I. <laughs> I also, I know that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Clockwork City, but I want to throw something out because there there is actual, like, other things to consider, other news, if you will, and yeah. I want to get what your thoughts are uh, on the monthly card, because oh, okay. I seem to feel like I'm the only person that's actually excited to try out this Sorcerer card, and the more I think about it, the more uses I keep coming up for it. And I okay. think that it's, I think that it has the potential to be like undervalued right now. It's definitely like, if you slay something when you play it, its value is totally reasonable for a seven drop. Um, I'm not sure, right? Like, I think I, like Ramp Sorcerer is a deck that I've had a fondness for for a long time. Big Dumb Sorcerer was one of my, the first things I made after I got tired of playing Scout every day for three months. Yeah. Um, it's a card I gotta I gotta feel out and play. It's obviously going to be a lot better in some matchups than others. So I think it's sort of meta dependent whether you want to run that or that say uh, pure blood elder is going to be better in your list. But it's definitely a card that I have my eye on and one I'm going to try out. I think just dismissing it because it's a four four for seven is pretty silly. Um, in a deck like sorcerer where you can, I mean. See, firebolt something to make sure that you get the slay effect on it like i think it's pretty reasonably reasonable to assume you're in a slay with it most of the time yeah so i tried to talk about it a bit in like the video that i did for it but i don't think that i was articulating it well because i was rushed that day and i filmed like right when i came home and it was because we had access to the test server and i was super excited but 
Yeah. For me, it is 100% dependent on if you get the initial slay value. But yeah. if you can get that, then the card is like almost like an 8-8 for 7 with upside. Right? Because you're going to yeah. get a 4-4. Four, yeah. four, you're going to yeah. get a 2-2. Two, two. You've right. killed an X-2 of some kind, right? So it's probably right. a 2-2 two, two or better. So when you right. factor all of those things in, because like for me, the natural card that you would compare it against would be Skywatch Vindicator, right? Right, or, which is also a pretty good card. Yeah, I was going to say, or maybe Shearpoint Dragon. Those are those yeah. are your close ones. Both are yeah. six drops for four fours. This is a yeah. seven drop. But unlike right. those ones, right, Shearpoint obviously has upside because it eats through wards and it has vitality synergy, but it... I'm okay with comparing it to sheer point and what I would call like the non vitality lists. Um, mm -hmm. Because like, let's be honest, even if you're playing mid range, you're on sheer point just because it's, it's good. Right. Right. Um, Skywatch Vindicator is a flex card usually in mid mage. Like I've seen people run it to give them extra reach. Yeah. Um, and, but again, like both of those are essentially a six, six for six uh, when you factor in their stats and they either see some play or a lot of play and people are talking like the sorcerer card deserves to see no play, and it just it, baff, it baffles me because for one magic or more, yeah, you're getting, you know, plus two plus two in stats with the upside for slay, and you're getting the upside for slay in attributes that have access to ward to keep it from dying, access yes. to tome, uh, you know, maybe yes. from your dagger falls earlier to keep it from dying. Uh, yeah. the, the the guard protects the four four body potentially so that you can. Right it doesn't get like auto traded into in the field lane like yeah. I, obviously it warrants testing right i could be yes. wrong but i feel like it's really really early to dismiss that card the way that people have i agree um, i mean like it's it's got the whole package right like he attack and he protect yeah <laughs> he attack he protect i do want to say he too like to be in your deck i don't know how many guys were playing back then but i believe it was the beginning of open beta when uh, shocking Wamasu was nerfed. <laughs> like, am I mistaken in that? Should I stop talking? <laughs> I can never remember. There was that, you know, there was like a two month period, like half closed beta, half open beta, when I don't know when what was nerfed when. I don't remember either. I legitimately. You know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, I do. Look, look, let's just say, like, <laughs> Shocking Wamasu used to be a lot more like Ankano. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that wasn't still an open beta. I think that went through in, like, September or October okay. because of Arena, actually. Because it used to yeah, be, like, right, right, you right. auto-drafted two Wamasus in Arena. Right. Um, like, Shocking Wamasu is a card that is similar, right? Like, it's eight value in some respects for its eight Magicka cost, although the flexibility for it was that, you know, you could kill somebody with it. Um, this is a seven drop for that eight value uh, that does a better job of taking control of the board potentially um shocking Wamasu was so good that it got nerfed when it did i think arguably less than this card does for decks concerned about controlling the board i think this is a, i think it's a pretty good card but uh yeah. i mean i haven't played with it yet yeah I, I mean i'm i'm right there like i haven't played with it and i think i'm i actually think i might have been wrong i was saying before that i think it fit only in control sorcerer but the more i've been thinking about it the more i actually do want to try it in mid-range you know, because like, I was, like already, I was already running like Naha Gleave, right? And I right, just, and I just, the, the more I think about it, like in the current meta, I feel like I get more out of that card than I do Naha Gleave in mid range. 
I can like, see that, yeah. In a, in a mid-range sorcerer, like, you're usually trying to get control of the board and then snowball, right? Yes. And so this is a tempo play in sorcerer because it potentially removes a threat, generates yeah. uh, a body, and it has some resilience because it's two bodies. You know what I right. mean? Whereas right. Naha Gleave, like, still dies to Leaf Lurker. You mm -hmm. know, it still has all of those. Like, it, it can be silenced, and then they just go around it. Um, right. This at least gives you some value. So, like, in my head, That's I was true. thinking maybe... Maybe you don't run a full suite or anything silly, but maybe you do run it as like a one or a two rev, like even in, in mid-range, just because again, to me, the upside is is so strong. And yeah, I agree. the immediate dismissal of this, in many ways, it reminds me of a lot of what I saw with House Carl, because uh, I think yeah. people's short memories, you yes. know, forget that yeah. when House Carl was revealed, there was an awful lot of you know, this card is horrible. It's a worse A-list hunt mate. Why would you ever run it over that? Because it's a three, four. And right. now we all know how that turned out. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. And the more I think about it, like I'm talking myself into thinking of it as a great card. And you're right about the, like replacing Naha Gleave 100%. I mean, like Naha Gleave's purpose in a mid-range deck that's looking to snowball and beat down is sort of like uh, Hive Defender's purpose in a mid-range deck that's looking to snowball and beat down, right? Like, you're once you make the decision to start killing your opponent, you're looking to protect your weaker creatures behind a hive defender or a Naha Gleave or something like that. Right. Uh, to secure lethal. Um, this card, I think. Like you still get a guard. You potentially right. pick something off, and then they still have to deal with like multiple bodies now too, right? So. Right. I don't. I don't know. I just combining that with the ward crafters that you're already running and the tomes you're probably getting from Daggerfall and, and yeah. those things, I, I really feel like I, I like, feel like it. there's some potential there. You can use Harpy to set up uh, favorable slays. I like it. Yeah. You could even, um, if you're running Galen in this <laughs> new sorcerer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, get, you know, a bigger guy to survive the slay as well. Yeah. Uh, there's also, you know, I keep wanting to run, like I'm trying to, the other card I'm trying to find excuses to play now is Enchanted Plate because of Galen. Because I feel like, I feel like <laughs> Galen, <laughs> I feel like Galen putting, you know, the bonus on Enchanted Plate is actually really, really good. I think that the item portion is a little undervalued right now. And yeah. throwing Enchanted Plates on that guy as well makes your, your mm -hmm. slay value kind of go through the roof as well, so... Um, Zombie Hunter nine by nineteen is talking about can't he, he can't even think people thought that card was bad. Um, before the show started, Charm and I were talking a little bit about how, like, you know, the Legends content creator community is pretty small. We all kind of follow each other on Twitter, so we're all kind of watching what each of us is doing. And um, <laughs> you can tell, like, like, so the bottom line, like, the the message here is that most people are really bad at gauging cards power level and most people are not out there innovating with new decks trying new cards and stuff like that most people and this is about the gaming communities in general for all sorts of card games are waiting for other people to come up with new decks and new ideas um it's really only you know the, the people who are out there in the trenches playing the factotum deck in every class and stuff like that on day one of the expansion who are going to be able to at first, like, really accurately gauge the power level of a card, you know, and because most people just aren't that person, like, the response to a lot of cards before they come out is generally pretty negative because all they can think about things is through the lens of the decks they're already playing that somebody else designed. So, 
that's sort of my experience with uh, people gauging the power level of cards. Yeah, so for the people who are, um, again, of, of short memory, um, I'm going to go ahead, if you're listening from the future, 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 oh future. My, oh my god. Um, you won't obviously see the link, but for the people here with us live, uh, I'm putting a link in chat. So this was the Reddit thread from when Ulfric's House Carl was revealed. Oh, let's and, check this out. Um, like very quickly, like right, right at the beginning, there's like for me anyway, uh, for me, it, Justin Larson, holy shit, he's excited, right? <laughs> but then you start going down this this thread, and like it's not far down, and there's immediately like Huntmate is almost strictly superior to this card unless you drop this card on a turn with a big swing and multiple rune breaks, and then yeah. there's my response: Huntmate isn't strictly superior. Uh, but is instead uh, about even in power level. God, I was even wrong in that. I was like, this card, uh, this card has better stats than the woman, but less than beast form. This card maintains the threat of generating cards even after the first rune. Counts yeah. toward both ally counts. I think they're similar, but favor different deck styles. Uh, <laughs> this card does well when paired with mighty ally, which we uh, know very well. Lumbering Ogrim, yeah. uh, because it has potential. I think it favors blind aggression. Huntmate, in my mind, is better in a mid-range deck for fighting for the board while taking advantage of inter incremental gains, right? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so, like, I, even even I was, like, undervaluing it, and I, that was with me, like, trying to defend it, but if you start scrolling through, right? Yeah. Um, there there are lots of, you know, again, like, A-list Huntmate trades one attack power for the ability to proc multiple times and play with four toughness. Solid card, but I think Crusader competition at four Magicka is too steep for this to see play. That was another common complaint. So, yeah. we're not mentioning this to say, like, you know, shame on everybody, you were wrong. I'm just saying, like, when you see cards like this month's card, right. or cards from this expansion, just remember that one of, like, the, the current meta-defining cards was met with, like, lukewarm fanfare at the time, right? Yeah. Dude, can I take a minute to say... <laughs> I, I usually don't remember what I post on Reddit, like, yeah, even a couple days later. So, like, going back into the Wayback Machine and seeing that my first post was, in response to this card was, holy shit, I had a good laugh about that. <laughs> I still feel that way about that card, though. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, this uh, this is a quite the journey uh, down memory lane. Like, here's another one of my favorites. This card doesn't do anything to help Crusader in the meta though, or Crusader in the meta though. Its biggest problem is against blue curve out decks, and this does jack shit to help compete for the board. Yeah. Tur turns out you don't need to compete for the board when everything goes face. That's true. And we, I mean, like, this is still at a point, right? This is this is pre. Uh... Atrium answer and, nerf, and, right? and if you're if you for the record guys like if you're familiar with the actual reddit for this community like these aren't like nobodies who are decrying the card like these are names that i recognize here's another one who's a very frequent poster and plays a lot at legend rank and this person said uh this is not how you buff stater uh i would be fine if the card was something like war cry with a body or something like a one one charge five cost that grants all allies uh like fiery imps ability for a turn um like again yeah i mean it is what it is you know but like so that i mean that that so this goes back to what we we're talking about a little bit though right which is that like all of us i mean like myself included are, are just generally not particularly good at 
judging the house, the power level of cards before they're released. And uh, I am ready to admit right now that I was wrong about a bunch of stuff already, and the expansion's been out for two days. <laughs> Which is why we're here now that we've played with the cards a little bit to talk about what we've been, been seeing and enjoying. On that note, I want to go back to the... Uh, I want to talk about the fabricants, the one for each color in the Heroes of Skyrim. I'm sorry, in Clockwork City that triggers if you control a neutral card. These cards are all at an insane power level. Um, they were obviously fairly, fairly powerful. These are some of the more obviously powerful cards from the set. Um, but they have all been overperforming for me. Um, they're always a pain in the ass when an opponent plays them. And just having a neutral card in play has turned out to be relatively straightforward given the you know huge number of ne playable neutral cards in this set. And you know we talked a little, little bit but last week about like uh, trying to figure out which cards in the set would create new archetypes and which ones would just prop up existing ones. And um, I think that there are two clear, strong neutral decks, neutral heavy decks that uh, are being played now that were not being played three days ago. And these fabricants are just absolutely such insane value. Um, I think I mentioned that Verminous Fabricant was really strong. I think I'm a, a little bit. I think it's a really strong card. That's the red two-two for two. That if you have a neutral card in play, silences another creature. Yeah. Um, this has been the one that I've had the least uh, success with, but the rest of them have all just been fantastic. It turns out an eight-eight for five is great in purple. It turns out that a two-four guard for three that gives you a random action is incredible value. Um, it turns out that the Kaguti Fabricant, putting a 3-3 three, three in each lane for 4, very strong, helps stabilize. And it turns out that uh, a 3-3 three, three for 4 that shackles a creature and has drain is also really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the shock to me is really interesting because um, it might be a random action, but I feel like the kinds of decks that you would want to play that card anyway don't care about it being random. They just care about like raw card advantage. And exactly. it's also, in my opinion, one of the better ones to play if you don't get the trigger. So yeah. that one appealed to me. Absolutely. I mean, a 2-4 guard for 3 is totally reasonable in a lot of matchups. Um, you're likely, if you're playing this card, you're already more likely to be the more... The slower deck uh, in a lot of matchups, and this card shines in those matchups. Not to mention, it randomly gives you some pretty insane cards. Like I had this, tw I had this twenty-minute game against playing. I was playing, um, I was playing Sorcerer Factotums. I'm running. I was running uh, Shulk Fabricant, and uh, I the board reached a point where I was like, "Well, look." Uh, the only thing that's going to win me this game or get me out of the situation I'm in is a card that's like not currently in my deck. So I need to play Shulk Fabricant. And sure enough, Shulk Fabricant ended up giving me cards that I could use to win. Like it's it's good in, I think, every matchup. Uh, it's just a really powerful card. Yeah, I think the only way that you get hosed is if it gives you something that's like outright unplayable and then it starts clogging up your hand. But otherwise... You know, it's pretty hard to not find at least something that you'll find a use for, you know? I agree. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I got... The, the only card I've ever gotten off of it that was not useful in any situation ever was uh, Intimidate. <laughs> but that card's never really useful anyway, so yeah, it's all right. Card, that card gets so outshined right now, it's yeah, kind of sad. It does. Yeah, it is a, it is a garbage card. 
Yeah, that's one of those cards that if if you need to get rid of a lot of guards, you're probably like way behind already anyway, you know? Like, right. Just a bad that's a bad place to be. Yeah. Um It's a bad card. I've lost to it before in arena. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I mean, I can see it in an arena where you've got like limited tech choices, and like you can't you can't just run three shield breakers in arena. You know what I mean? But I, yeah, no, I've lost to it before, but I still think it's just like I, if I'm trying to imagine a situation where there are two worse cards for you to choose from than intimidate. Um, uh, I have had stuff like execute against like scout in the late game come yeah. up uh, from like random effects like i'm trying to think of like times where i've actually had random effects pop up i've had stuff like burn and pillage come up and like clearly you're yeah. the control deck and so you haven't yeah. broken any runes but you're, i mean you're right and it's pretty rare mm -hmm. yeah intimidate is just a real dumpster card uh somebody's asking in chat what other cards have i been wrong about okay so we we covered fabricate i was wrong on fabricate i think fabricate's real good um performing at the expected power level barrow stalker Great card. Um, real good in warrior control. Uh, Ruthless Freebooter performing at expected power level, which was really high. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, and this happened to me a couple times now in games, Ruthless Freebooter, good enough that people are running the 3-7 with lethal and drain. You know what? <laughs> it's not even just that, though. I've been seeing a lot of people running it because it is... Uh, very easy to pair with Unstoppable Rage. Yeah. And it will, like, it auto-clears a lane and gains you the health, right? Right. Um, if you have the ring, uh, then you can play it. If you have a discounted Rage, you can play it. If you get a completed yep. contract, you can play it. But it's a yep. from hand. Like, before, you used to have to, like, play a lethal creature and your Snake Tooth Necklace. Right. And this is, at this point, like just good enough that I've seen people run in like one or two of the Scorpions so that yeah. they can pull that off. And so that doesn't surprise me. I agree. Um, Daring Heist. Uh, yeah, I tried to make that work in Market Archer. Uh, it is not good. But, but to be it fair, says Draku 2 cards. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I was being real, sort of sarcastic when I said it was going to be good. But yeah, Daring Heist is like almost impossible to trigger. Yeah, I just, I'm never going to let you forget that. Like, every time there's a card that's bad but says at least draw two cards, I'm just going to say that. Too. Yeah, like, look, man, it's a, there's no doubt in my mind that, like, the effect draw two cards is super powerful, but this card is, uh, there's, even in Market Archer, it turns out, there's, like, never a situation where you can trigger this where it's the best thing you can do. Yeah, well, and also, to be fair, it's already competing with new Market Archer cards, like, to me, that 4-2 Common Goblin was yes. in, an insane addition to Market yes. Archer. It does so much that that deck wants from you already. Yes. So, Yeah, that card's been great in Market Archer. I mean, it opens up, you know, like Market Archer was always trying to, like, get in incremental damage where it could, you know, in a lot of matchups. A 4-2 for 3 uh, really helps with that, and the treasure rentability is awesome, so. Yeah, I mean, you, you double your combo pieces. Like, any zero-cost card you right. get is is helpful and yeah four two body is good enough like it trades up well if you are trying to be defensive to live till your combo it's aggressive enough that they you know yes can't take shots to the face i like that card a lot absolutely um reverberating strike has been performing about where i expected it to where we talked about it like it's pretty good it's playable sure i mean crushing blow was already pretty good so i agree 
Uh, Ruin Archaeologist has been impressive for me in Support Mage, uh, not because of the ability, <laughs> but because I was still running Daggerfall Mage, and a 2-5 on turn 3 in, Dagger in Support Mage has been a lot more useful than Daggerfall Mage ever was. Yeah, I'm still really torn on that. Uh, I had cut Daggerfall Mage from my Support Mage list, and I like the idea of the 2-5 stat line. Um, yeah. And you and I were talking, you know, a bit off-stream. I, I feel like the 2-5 has the potential to almost make you draw too many cards in Support Mage. Yeah. And I also mentally kind of like the idea of the flexibility of your Excavate getting back a Tome if you need a hair more reach at the end of the game. Like, yeah. if you do generate a Tome and you're playing Excavate, it gives you a little bit more flexibility, but I'll probably end up still running the 2-5 just because, again, the stat line is really important there in my mind it gives you a lot of value mm. ray ray barker uh, says we're crazy uh i'm gonna need i'm gonna need more details ray ray <laughs> yeah we we could be crazy for a number of reasons so yeah well, i mean that's it's just that's just not nearly enough of a heads up as to what's going on here <laughs> yeah there is there is so so many available reasons for us to be crazy um i mean we're not like lie to the fbi kind of crazy but we're right 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 we don't need you know nobody needs to lock us up <laughs> <laughs> um, although i guess in my case like somebody did at one point <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just a little sad that i beat you to that reference this week that, that was pretty good yeah i've been, yeah. I've been trying to figure it out yeah oh daggerfall mage cutting yeah yeah i just oh man i don't even know where to begin Sorcerer is popular right now, and Sorcerer's Negation is all over the place. Um, Sheerpoint Dragon still eats it. That's yeah, my thought. I was going to say, uh, you hit half of it on the, on the head for me. Um, yeah. For me, it was... Because, again, I cut mine even before the expansion came. I haven't had a chance to play test yet. That's going to be after the podcast tonight. Right. Um, but I ended up cutting Daggerfall because it was just dying like in the control matchups it was just dying to sheer point a lot of the time or similar effects and against control matchups honestly like it didn't generate the value i needed it to and against yeah. aggressive decks uh i just needed to survive till i could get the soft lock and so i was actually getting more value out of the two four prophecy with guard um the camelorn ended up being better just because he was still uh like similar in terms of potentially like multi-trading and generating value but yeah. he also gave me prophecy help and guard help against aggressive decks and he didn't like i wasn't having any problems drawing cards so it's not like i needed the tome from daggerfall so right Klashermar uh, writes pilfer a subpoena enemy creature that's a good one that's a good one that's an appropriate one for today <laughs> i would argue that uh uh flins at night uh has uh, last gasp indict the president <laughs> well i mean i don't know but when i queued against him on the ladder i enjoyed playing arrest i i totally agree the irony was not lost on me it's a good <laughs> it's a good play <laughs> oh so but you know besides like news puns that we knew we were gonna make um yes <laughs> what cards because i'm in this position right like i haven't had a chance to play test yet where i mean it's you know basically like day one of the new ladder season um yeah, yeah what what have you not played yet that you are excited to test out so i have not played control battle mage yet um that's a deck that i want to get into but i'm still 
like you know creating reactive decks like that are planning to be reactive is i think harder uh in an unknown meta and i wasn't sure what people were going to be doing yet so you know th you know like a, a control deck can win or lose based on like the decision like well do i run firestorm in my deck right and that depends on what everyone else is doing so control battle mage is one that i really want to get into i'm looking to at least try out a control shout battle mage so that i can get my dragon aspects out there and upgraded and gain some life that way um, you know, you, you combine the raw removal package in Battle Mage with the uh, the life gain that Dragon Aspect and uh, Clockwork Dragon offer, and I think you got a potentially pretty good deck. Uh, so that's the big one that I haven't tried yet. Uh, other than that, Mono Purple, I, I gotta give that another shot. I think that, I honestly think that Mistville Warden, Galen, and Barrow Stalker are good additions to that deck. It's never been a great deck, but it's strong enough. I think it's pretty solidly tier three at least so that's one i haven't done yet and i have not cast mechanar yet oh see he's on my list yeah um there there is a part of me that wants to try running some kind of control sorcerer right like i said it when i did the video for the monthly card and i wasn't just saying it like for memes like i do want to give that a go but i'm undecided because there's a part of me that really wants to run Control Sorcerer like in the traditional ramp package that it's been like yeah. it's it's been really rare for like the last month and a half two months but when I do see it it's like a ramp version and I, yeah. I kind of want to give that a go but there is a part of me that wants to like try to run a version of Control Sorcerer that is like controlling against the aggressive decks but still tries to come underneath the other control decks. And okay. I think that you might be able to do that if you run, like, the Hello Death Priest package and Mechanar yeah. and Flicker effects. Because, okay. like, if, if you play, like, a dark, uh, you know, a dark rebirth on either of those against yeah. Control and you have the ability to deny even a couple late-game threats with your already, like, traditionally sticky and hard-to-remove threats that exist in Sorcerer, I yeah. think you can still potentially come in underneath other yeah. Control decks. But you can still run like the blue early game removal package for against the aggressive decks. And Barrow Stalker does provide a little bit of life gain as well. So that's I agree. that's in my mind. You know, obviously again, I haven't had a chance to test, but that's where I've been theory crafting that deck, and I'm I'm excited to see how well it works out. Uh, are you familiar with Sody Mag? It's S Z O T Y. He's a uh, Reddit poster. Oh yeah, I always say like uh, Zatsi Mag yeah, yeah. in my head I or whatever, but. I had to ask him how it was pronounced because he made he actually made the frames that I use for my when I when I record. Oh, okay. He uh, I ran into him on the ladder, uh, playing like a sorcerer. You're not allowed to have fun deck. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a really entertaining game. I was on Dwemer, and uh, I I don't. It's not even clear to me that his deck had a way to win in it. <laughs> He was just playing like everything you're talking about without like without a clear end game that I could see. Um, so I think there's a, something there. I think there's definitely something there. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, it might not be competitive, but even if that deck goes 50-50, I'm scared of it, and that's part of the reason I almost don't want to playtest it because yeah. it is stream sniper like that's surplus, true. right? Like if you're a streamer and you're live and you're not on a delay. There, I can already predict from this expansion, there is no hell like your opponent that's running like mummifies, yep. hallowed death priests, and mechanars, just like right. waiting to catch you at the wrong time. Right. 
Um, so the decks that I've, pl I've practiced the most with, things that I've recorded with that I'm going to release in the next few days are uh, Dwemer Assassin. Um, pretty straightforward. Um, running, I think, maybe 12 or 15, I think, uh, non-neutral cards. Been having some success with that. Um, Sorcerer Factotums have been uh, pretty good and I've uh, been enjoying playing that. Support Mage has been really good. Played that. Uh, I had the joyful experience of casting Memory Wraith against a scout and then disconnecting immediately afterwards. And yeah, Hollow Death Priest is a good example of a card that is, I honestly believe, powerful and good and will and should be played that a lot of people were just wrong about its power level. I mean, like, anything you hit is good with it, right? Yeah. Like, you're, there's not going to be a time where you're playing a 5-drop where you're going to hit a 1-drop in your opponent's hand and be like, oops. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's, it's still early, but I, I, I feel like my assessment is going to be great. In that I said it was a control card. I think it's strongest in the control mirror, and it yeah. has potential in a mid-range mirror, but... yeah. Like, I don't think it's an auto-include in, like, mid-range decks. I think that it's a tech choice in mid-range, and, and if you're playing endurance control, then it's a really strong choice. Yeah, it's it's just good. Um, it's But you're right, it's not an auto-include. It, it, uh, it's, you know, several things. It's meta-dependent. It's, uh, you know, I don't think you run the full three even in decks that can run it. I mean, like, oh, you I'm can... Going <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna follow it up with like you can build that you're not allowed to have fun deck, and I get that, you know, but uh, it's not necessary to, but uh, it's definitely strong enough to, that people should try it out. Yeah. So uh, you missed it, but I had uh, a bug drop from my ceiling land on my shoulder. <laughs> oh, did you really? I was wondering what that noise was. I yeah. thought maybe like I did something. No, 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 no. Like I, I like jumped because like it fell like also right in my vision and I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And sometimes I get pretty big spiders that'll just drop on me, but it was just like yeah. a little beetle. So Mac Milanov says death priest is just another ramp scouts card at the moment. I, I kind of disagree. I think that death priest is better in warrior control and in, uh, Help me out here. Sorcerer, Sorcerer control. Yeah, I think I think it's better in both of those as well. Yeah, I think scout. I honestly, I think you can run the same scout deck today that you ran three days ago and still be pretty successful. Yeah, uh, I, I think the changes to the old scout list are going to be pretty minimal as well. Yeah, you know, maybe you know, maybe you make a new type of scout list that's not just uh, focused on playing the best end game in the world. Go more mid range, but even then, like, there aren't a whole lot of tools in this set for the traditional scout list like you would need to go pretty different with you know run things like ruthless freebooter and just do a completely different deck if you wanted to recreate scout at this point i think gale in the shelter might be the only new card you auto include in that deck yeah uh for me it's just one of those like especially in ramp scout right like i could play the death priest or i could just spend that magicka to play like a real threat because magicka isn't really a hindrance and try to race my opponent yeah you know and if they already have the answer in their hand and they haven't played it right like i yeah i don't know like i, I i'm not saying that you can't run it i i'm sure that there will be people who who do run it i'm sure that there will be people who have success right. I just was less excited about putting it in Scout than I was Warrior or Sorcerer. Like, I exactly. I agree with you. I think that's definitely where it belongs. I mean, like, you could play Cells Through Storms and Mechanar and Ramp Scout and probably be successful. But the question kind of comes, like, what do you replace, you know? 
<laughs> I think you can cut Tazcad if you're still running Tazcad. Uh, you could run a ramp scout that isn't running the giant bat package and make more room for just big fun stuff. But I don't know. I, I don't see ramp scout like the ramp scout deck we're used to for the last few months making many changes. I don't think Barrow Stalker is what that deck needs. I think that it's got good enough early green creatures that it doesn't want to run Barrow Stalker. Daring Heist does say draw two cards, but I don't think Ramp Scout's ever triggering it until they win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that Sail Through Storms is probably the other card that's auto included in, in Ramp right now. Like, right. I know it takes a turn to develop, but right. it's it it has so much potential to hit so many gross things. Right. Um, so other cards I was wrong about are uh, either good or bad. So Hollow Death Priest I thought was going to be played. I think it's more powerful than I thought it would be. Clockwork Dragon has been good in every matchup I've played it in or seen it played me, uh, against me in. But I think we were both pretty pretty high on Clockwork Dragon to begin with, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I don't have a long-winded answer for everything. Believe it or not, every Fair now enough. and then, I don't. But for the most part, um, uh, Mechanar's will haven't seen it played yet. Drafted in arena, didn't draw it. Um, Rifton Lawkeeper. I saw somebody playing those in a mid-range monk list, and it looked really, really good. And I think that if there was a deck that you wanted to, that you would be willing to play a four drop like Rifts and Lawkeeper in, it's mid range Monk. Uh, I thought it was pretty strong there. I mean, you, you that puts you at like 12 auto includes uh, for the four drop slot, right? Like um, Cladris Illusionist, Hive Defender, and Rift and Lawkeeper. And uh, that's definitely one way to do it. That yeah. deck likes to gain life to help reclaim the board, so. Yeah, I almost wonder if the Lawkeeper's too much. I mean, it might not be, but again, like, that's a really crowded Ford drop. It is, it is. Hey, Maricon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for all the great work you guys did on this expansion. We've been having a blast with it. And the story mode was a lot of fun. Like, I guess for me, mentally, right? Would you rather run the Lawkeeper and compete with your four slots, or would you rather just rely on Dawnstar at three and, like, one or two Pillaging Tribunes at five, which is a card that somehow, like, has yeah. faded away but hasn't been any less, like, yeah. viable lately? I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't seen it pop back up again with all the aggro decks running around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, can see, I can see what you're saying. I think that... It sort of depends, right? Like, Dawnstar Healer is another card that I haven't seen a whole lot of lately, which is sort of surprising as well. I think that if there was a time to play, like a life gain monk deck or a life gain crusader deck, today would be a good day to play that deck. Um, but then you kind of run into the problem, right? Where these sort of like, these sort of awkward mid range decks with the life gain package and stuff just like fold to scout, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess the that the biggest thing is is that it's scouts, but also like support mage and like the life drain is that double edged sword, uh, or excuse me, life gain. Sorry, not life drain. The life gain is like right. that double edged sword where you're really strong against the other aggro decks, and then yeah, 
like drawing dead and the other stuff. Right. I mean, that was the strength of the mid-range Crusader Fantastic Fours list that I was playing. Is the meta was fairly aggressive. There was a lot of blue mid-range decks, and the life gain in that, like, you would take 10, 15 damage, and then your life gain package would overwhelm them, and they couldn't come back. Uh, we're not really in that sort of meta right now. Like, blue mid-range isn't really a thing right now. Yeah. Um, and overpopulating the board gets you killed by unstoppable rage decks. Uh, support mage will severely punish you for overextending as well. Um, and those decks sort of have to snowball onto the board and kill you over the course of a couple turns, right? Like, they don't have the OTK potential. They don't have the reach necessarily to seal the game after you wipe their board, so. I will say this. Uh, last season, I after I'd hit Legend, which I'll admit was later in the season than I would have liked. Yeah. Um, but I had one night where I was like, all right, we're just going to like climb for real and kind of see what it's like. Yeah. In Legend, and I had the most success with just uh, like a good old, like old school version of Midrange Sorcerer. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that deck's still strong. I agree. I think that, you know, the nerf to Atromancer kind of soured people on Midrange uh, Intelligence centered decks quite a yeah. bit, but yeah. it's it's in a really good spot with all of the Unstoppable Rage decks floating around. Like, the ward creates a problem for them. Uh, yeah. Both in like stopping the like pings like uh, archer's gambit and things like that, but then also mm -hmm. even just having like two wards in field lane or the shadow lane, they can't just drop something in rage because it will do zero damage. You know, they have to like right. they already have to set up rage, and now you're making them go the extra mile to set up rage. And I had a lot of a lot of success with that deck. I I totally agree. I think mid range sorcerer is a good choice right now. Um, I tried putting together an action sorcerer list because scroll seeker <laughs> and uh i wanted to play sorcerer and i couldn't make that work necessarily but like the games that i would i did win were on the back of just like traditional mid-range sorcerer stuff and how did that go scroll seeker well look every time i tried to win with crystal star crafter i i ended up heartbroken <laughs> and every time that i you know curved from uh four fours for three into royal sages i won <laughs> hmm. seems good yeah uh and finally the last card that i was definitely wrong about uh is dwarven colossus that card has really really overperformed I'm not surprised. I yeah. I'm not going to say that I was saying it's going to be like really good, but I was trying to defend it a bit because I I was trying to say that even I said it in a, I don't know if I said it in one of my videos, but I know I was saying it in a few streams like where I was lurking while working, which is something I do a lot. Mm -hmm. But I, I kept saying that um, it's the kind of like late game bomb that uh, against certain kinds of decks like against mid range or other things. Yes. Even even if they have the removal right away, you put up two O5 guards that they also have to deal with. And yeah. even if that's, they That's been what's killing it. That's yeah. what's been amazing about it. And if they don't have the removal right away, not only do they have to go through a guard to get it, but unlike something like Iron Atronach, whose biggest problem in a, in a, my opinion anyway is that he had guard because he dies right to lethal. Yeah. Um just like straight trading lethal. Uh, this thing you can hide in the shadow lane and put a guard in front of it. Yes. Um, and it'll gain keywords. Like I, I kept saying in other people's streams, like 
there I can see plenty of scenarios where against like a mid-range deck, if you play that card and they don't have the answer, um, you yeah. you might just win the game. Like if that gets drained the next turn and you use it to even just like trade into a threat and gain eleven health, like you probably just won. Yeah. So totally. I mean, I have a screenshot actually of me playing it that I would like to share real quick. Um, let me figure out how to link to this. This is me playing Assassin Dwemer against uh, Mage Tokens. And yeah, this card has just been super good. I'm sure this in chat. This is uh, what it's like to land a couple of these uh, onto the board, give one of them drain, and uh, magically your opponent will concede. <laughs> yeah, uh, Americani, actually, the answer to how many Iron Atronox have been killed by Vipers in the game for me is 100% of them uh, in real life. That's a good question. I'm not sure that that's, that's happened in real life. Um, Mine has not really been Vipers, but I, I don't know what it is. I my Anytime I have ever tried to make Iron Atronach work, it either dies immediately to Manticora, Leaf Lurker, or if it does die to Lethal, um, yeah. it's usually a Shadow Shifted Fighter's Guild recruit. It's usually like some Archer deck that I haven't yeah. seen play Shadow Shift all game, so I don't even think they're running it. So right. I put the Atronach in the other lane, and then they're just like, oh, I move it, and then... yeah. My my lizard kills you. I mean, Red Brahmin, Leaf Lurker, uh, Manticora, those are the traditional foes of Iron Atronach. Yeah, that poor guy. Shunara wants to point out that uh, the power of Sphere is only about the Dwarven Colossus that summoned them. Yeah, that's true. And I didn't realize that when I played it for the first time and I discovered that. Um, and there's no like marker to track which power spheres are associated with which uh, Dwarven Colossus, so it can be easy to lose track if you're me and you're uh, every time it's your opponent's turn you're surfing the internet yeah. <laughs> but yeah I mean like that is worth pointing out but Dwarven Colossus has still been great uh, I don't think it's a ramp deck bomb I I don't I, I think I wonder... that... so I wonder what happens one like in the case of something like Wismother like if, if the Colossus uh you know, summons two, and then Wismother grants you copies. If those would also buff it, mm. or if those are counted as being created by Wismother, and then I also yeah. wonder what happens in the case of, um, like, what happens if you close call a power sphere and then replay it? Does <laughs> That's it, a good does question. Does it not too. buff it? Does it buff like yeah. all of them, different ones? Like, I'm just curious about the like order of operations on that in general for how it's coded. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I've been discovering some, like, the card that I've been learning about the, uh, like, what what tracks where in the game, the card that I've been experiencing the most uh, education with is um, uh, Galen. Uh, Galen. In particular, Galen's interaction with Factotums, uh, when you shuffle uh, copies of cards in your hand into your deck with plus three, plus three. I mean, then, then maybe I should have known this. They don't keep the uh, the buffs that your Factotum have already gotten. Right, because they were not in the deck. So the way that the Assemble works, I found this because I was playing them in the story mode. Um, all right, I've already farmed a healthy number of titles. No, um, dude, me too. I am now the Mad. Well, I was and, already the man before, but I, and uh, I put twenty dragons into play in one game. Yep, I did that. <laughs> I did the dragon one because I had that one still pending. Um, but I did the factotum one where it has to be like an eleven, eleven or bigger or whatever. 
And in getting that one, it occurred to me that the assemble mechanic only triggers on things that are currently in your hand or deck at the time of play. So yeah. if you have a factotum on the board and you bounce it back to your hand, it goes back to its base stats because yes. it, it is not in your deck or in your hand to receive said buffs. Right. Similarly, if you have something in your grave and you shuffle right. it into your deck with like Journey to Sovngarde, it right. only gets the journey buff and not the other buffs as well. Exactly. Um, yep. So like that, that's uh, like thrown me a couple of times where I, I was, uh, or even just like, if you play like a massive buffed factotum and then you dark rebirth it, you don't get the big one back. You get a tiny one back, which is, it took me a bit to get used to. And ultimately why I am really unsure about how that deck works. Cause I, I felt like the way you, you could still build it when it was going to be either sorcerer or spell sword and i was yeah. thinking soul tear and galen for more copies right since you're yeah. kind of like copy dependent and yeah. then uh either like Winterhold illusionist uh you know dark rebirth things like that but now that i know that the flickered ones like come back smaller and i you know i should have just realized that from the way that the mechanic was explained but in practice now that i've seen it i just right. don't i don't think that there's enough to support it even with the flicker effects see i have actually been impressed with fact totems to be honest with you <laughs> like i know i mean like it's the first couple days of the meta things are not uh stabilized yet and these decks are not going to get any better but right now, I think you can play Factotums to relatively high success level if you exploit every possible opportunity to, to recast and bounce your Factotums. I mean, part of the reason that I was really seriously considering Spellsword was because, like I said, you get Soul Tear, you get Galen, yeah. you yeah. get Winterhold Illusionist, you have Knight to Remember, but I was also going to bring back uh, Commander. Just yeah. because why not? Absolutely, man. Because let's just keep flickering everything, you know? Absolutely. I mean, like, the the three Magicka 1-1 one, one Forsaken dude that bounces a dude to your hand and becomes a 3-3, three, three, that guy's not bad, right? And in a deck where you're already playing some cards that care about neutrals, like uh, Dwarven Dynamo. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, what else? I mean, I've been running a Brilliant Experiment for the first time in over a year and having some success with that. Uh, you know, if I can get a second one of the legendary, unique legendary effect totem, that's worked out pretty well for me. Not to mention the fact that that deck is just like, even brilliant experimenting a Shulk Fabricant can get you some additional value that you need. Um, I, I've, I've been impressed by the fact totems. I don't think they're going to be a tier one deck, not even close, but, uh, I think it's something you can play in the ladder, at least for right now and, and have a positive win rate, win rate with. Yeah, I... I mean, I think you could play anything on the ladder right now, and as long as you can survive the like prophecy battle mage, yeah, the onslaught of aggro decks for people that are trying to cannibalize the testers, you know, yeah, uh, then you can probably make anything work. Absolutely, and I mean that's just that's sort of how it is, you know. I mean, some people are just, uh, I mean, I don't want to say boring. <laughs> Hey, no, I mean, I don't think they're boring. I think that they're making a smart strategic decision uh, based on what is important to them and how they get their enjoyment. Some people really enjoy being at the top of the ladder. They know people are experimenting, both because 
It's right. the beginning of the month, and people normally experiment with the right. monthly card, but now we just got an expansion, and of course. so for the people who are competitive, they're going to break out whatever their right. most consistent aggro deck was and, and crush you and I until we figure out Absolutely. what's cool, and then they'll... Absolutely. I mean, and that, that's sort of true in life in general, right? Like, some people will do whatever it takes to get to the top the quickest, and then um, you can run your Mueller control deck and uh, indict them. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a good one. It's a good callback. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, what, what, what deck do you think doesn't exist that you want to try besides Sorcerer Control? Um. So right now, like for my immediate future, I want to give Sorcerer uh, a try both in mid range with some of the new cards because, like I said, I had a lot of success with like a traditional mid range Sorcerer at the yeah. end of last season. And I think I got some cards to help it. So I'm actually really excited to try mid-range Sorcerer again. But I also yeah. want to try Control Sorcerer with the, like, you're not allowed to have fun. Um, I yeah, want to try an updated list of Support Mage, like you and I were talking about off-stream, where yes. um, I'm I'm literally looking to make it become Concede Mage, where I don't even run win conditions. I just make it so that you can't win. Yeah. And I really kind of want to try out... Um, something in Warrior, but I don't know. I don't know the right way to put it. Right, like orcs are good. They I, orcs were really good for me last season as well. I think they're in a good place, but I feel like there is room for a different version of Warrior or a different variant of Warrior that has the potential to be like mid range as I guess the way I want to put it, huh? and and still be successful. Because, I mean, yeah. like, it's it's almost kind of a crime when you think about it that, like, there's a version of mid-range warrior, and I, I know it's because you're running the orc package, but, like, there's a version of mid-range warrior that doesn't run young mammoth. And that just keeps feeling wrong to me every time I think about it. And yeah, I kind of want to give something a go there. I can see it. Yeah, this is an exciting, you know, like, we're at, like, stage one of the new meta, right? People are testing. Right. In a few weeks, we'll be in stage two, where there's a few more linear decks that uh, people are playing uh, that include new cards. And then we'll proceed to stage three, where uh, new control decks are coming out, utilizing new cards to combat whatever came around in stage two. And then we'll go through stage four, which is uh, acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh. we'll, be we'll be ready for the next set. <laughs> uh, cards that are performing at least... Uh, in the little bit that I have played, like not on the, the ladder, but like just a couple yeah. of quick throw together games um, that are surprising me are the treasure hunt cards, specifically in Battle Mage. And I yeah. desperately want to try like something mid rangey in Battle Mage that uses the treasure hunt stuff. Um, whether, whether or not it's item Battle Mage or not, I don't know. I think that there's like a lot of potential even in something like an item Battle Mage. Um, because I, you know, if you remember, like, old item Battle Mage, when you ran, like, Gardener of Swords and things like that, uh, we're running some main deck tomes just for the draw card on your Gardener to generate value. And right. I'm finding that it's way better with the Treasure Hunt cards and Treasure Map. Yeah. And I, I want to give something like that a go. Um, I can I think, see that. I think that. I think that an item Battle Mage, like, mid-range list has a ton of potential. Joe Bob writes, fun fact, the word factotum comes from the Latin verb facio, 
Thassus, Facere, Fecci, Factum, to do, ergo, fact, and the adjective totus, toda, totum, whole, entire, ergo, total, entire, total, and therefore means do everything. Good times, man. Thanks, Joe Bob. Hey, Joe Bob, fun fact. Uh, When you play a factotum, you are playing a singular factotum. But when you assemble multiple factotums, you have created a factotum pole. (laughs) Get the fuck. I quit. (laughs) I can't do this. I can't work with this man. (laughs) Oh. Good times. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're uh, summoning up Shagorath here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he just brought Chucky back to life. Isn't that how that works? It is. Oh. Get in front of a mirror and say Biggie Smalls three times. So, we're about an hour in. Do we want to go to the questions part? Because I'm sure with the expansion and so forth, uh, sure. people have a lot of them. You know what we could do is we could... We got we have two copies of the expansion to give away. Do you want to give one away now and yeah. one at the end? Actually, I think that's better. Before we do the questions, uh, we should give do a giveaway because uh, chat will be spammed with the entries. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and queue this up. And, Are you guys ready? Uh, let's just say open open giveaway. There should be something that pops up in chat. And uh, should tell you what to do. Do they need to do the capital letters that no, way? No, it's not uh, case sensitive. Can I enter? Yeah, I am not stopping you. <laughs> you have consent to enter me. Oh, that's so sweet, buddy. You know, we live in, in these times, it's no longer enough to not be told no. You need to be told yes. So I appreciate that. And at multiple stages, because people have the right to change their mind. So. Right, and if and if you're a 14-year-old girl and, I'm, and Roy Moore is hitting on you, you can't offer consent because you're a minor. You know, I don't understand why minors don't have rights. I mean, they spend all that time, like, in a cave, chunking yeah, out I- coal... Fucking knew this is where this was going, dude. I, I as soon as you said, I don't understand why miners. I was like, oh god, damn it! You, you have to understand something, all right? Four years ago, I had a child, and when it came out, um, yeah. I was handed a manual about all uh-huh. of the things that I'm required to do by uh-huh. law. Right. And uh, dad jokes is one of them. Like it's, you know, we know if Roy Moore had received a book about things he's not allowed to do by law with kids, we might not be in the situation we're in right now. <laughs> I mean, he did receive a book for a bit because, like, he was a judge or whatever, but he didn't <laughs> learn anything from it, so I feel like somebody should throw that book at him, right? That's throw a good idea. Speaking of people we're going to throw the book at, Michael Flynn joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, I guess, because we do have international, like, viewers that hang out, right? If you guys don't know... Um, the American news cycle has been dominated by a number of things lately, but like big stuff today was related to both, uh, Roy Moore and Michael Flynn and, um, like at some, at some point, like things just get so sad, you just have to make jokes. So uh, yeah, it's what, it's what we do. Yeah. America. Um, Garlic says, I thought you were suggesting children should work in mines. Uh, I did. I mean, I wasn't suggesting that they shouldn't work in mines. I, I don't yeah. see what the problem is there. The Fun Interactive Podcast has no official position on child labor laws. But if you want to work, grab a shovel. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. 
if if somebody wants to come shovel my driveway just because they're eight years old doesn't mean i'm gonna turn them away right like yeah i'm gonna be nice to the kid i'm gonna give him like 35 cents and let him shovel the snow for my driveway and call it good because that's what you do so like yeah. how can i how can i then be mad at giant corporations paying people 35 cents to make shoes 12 hours a day you know what i mean like I, I can't be a hypocrite. So because I, I give the local neighbor kids like money to wash my car. Um, right. That philosophical consistency is why, you, uh, why you're why you such a good guy. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're in a party like it's 1909. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maricon, by the way, is trying to enter with the Return of the Jedi. Uh, hashtag. <laughs> oh, God, I should have been like the last Jedi. Yeah. Instead of Return of the Jedi. I'm not a big, here's the thing, I'm not a big Return of the Jedi fan. Oh man. I'm really not. I know I, I know I fake quit earlier, but like I should have saved that move for now. <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna be honest, like, for everybody who likes to give the uh the prequels shit, I yeah. always point to Return of the Jedi and say, What did you expect? Right? Your yeah. your holy sacred like Trinity original three you mm-hmm. knew it was going down that horrible, horrible road with Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi has, like, cannibal teddy bears that take out a legion of the Emperor's best men or whatever on some yeah. moon because right. he wanted to sell toys. And then you take, like, arguably one of the single most intimidating cinematic badasses of all time in Darth Vader, right? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you consider his position at the end of Empire Strikes Back, he went from being guy that blew up like planets on the Death Star to guy who then like shows up in person, intimidates people, force chokes them, like changes deals. Then he, he cuts off Luke's hand, leaves him hanging by a thread and literally says, oh, by the way, I did your mom. Right. Like drops the <laughs> biggest like I did your mom joke in cinematic history. Yeah. And he goes from that to a guy who's like, well, you know, I kind of never really wanted to do it. And this other guy's the real problem. So you yeah. know like my my boss is a real prick sorry that i had to be mean to you earlier like no <laughs> you can't do that like oh i just sorry return of the jedi um the only good thing that comes from return of the jedi is boba fett getting knocked into a sarlacc pit because i also don't understand the obsession with boba fett like yeah he yeah, had cool armor but the dude has like two voice lines and a blind guy with a stick beats him like he's not that's that true. cool guys that's true um Maricon thinks Star Trek is better. I totally agree. Star Trek is a lot better. Star Trek Discovery has been really enjoyable, but I, I can never beat my experience of watching Deep Space Nine. You want to do this giveaway? Um, I was I was giving it. I kept seeing some people uh, still throw in, so I was giving it a little bit more. Let's say like thirty more seconds, um, okay. for Justin to complete finish uh, unfollowing me on all social media and blocking my phone number because I. Yeah, uh, when, I don't. Um, dude, I, I went so far. I just blocked your wife on Facebook. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't blame you. I blocked your wife on Facebook. <laughs> Fair enough, man. That actually started. So, like, for the longest time, I didn't even have a Facebook account, and then I created one just for the Facebook like credentials yeah. login. Yeah. And she found out that I had one, and it actually like started an argument. She was like, "I don't understand why we're not friends on Facebook." And I was like, because I'm not friends with anybody on Facebook. Like, I'm literally treating you the same. And she was like, I know, but like, like, what if people find you and they, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not friends with anybody. So I was really concerned when like uh, 
So, like, I, I've always just gone by Justin Larson online because I didn't get online and do stuff until I was in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. But, like, uh, and so it just has never occurred to me to go by, like, Edgelord09 or something like that. But I, uh, I was concerned when I started doing the YouTube channel and stuff that, like, people would, like, reach out to me in person or whatever and stuff. But, like, that's never happened. I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. I've gotten a couple creepy Facebook messages from people. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like, I'm just, if you're friendly to everybody, then nothing really, you know, goes wrong. So Everybody? Because I saw a pretty awesome Twitter rant from somebody the other day who was not being friendly to everybody. What, what did I say? Uh, I believe there were multiple tweets that were along the lines of fuck Nazis, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. So somebody wrote something on one of my videos recently about... Okay, so I uploaded a clip from my stream where I was... Uh, I made some joke about white nationalists being inbred or something like that. And it was happened to be in the middle of a game that I wanted to upload to YouTube. So I put it on YouTube and somebody was like defending white nationalism on my YouTube channel. And I was like... I just res responded with like, look, I, I'm, I stopped reading when you started defending white nationalism. And um, then I tweeted something like, just so we're clear fuck Nazis or whatever. And I got a couple messages, not from people who follow me, just I, uh, a couple messages from people, uh, from neo-Nazis, I assume, well, who are not, uh, not very pleased with what I posted. Uh, all that happened was you triggered the Russian bots because they keyword on things <laughs> on Twitter, which is how you got found. Like, let's be honest, that's what yeah. happened. Yeah, but... that's true, that's true. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that if I understand what happened in the news correctly, those bots were ordered to do what they did because uh, Jared Kushner told them to. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. You can't say no to the Kush. That's right. So... Okay. Yeah, we're going to pick a winner real quick, and then um, I'll tell you about... I mean, I'm pretty sure I've covered this on stream before, but I'll, I'll tell you about, like, the Charmer origin. But I'm going to pick a winner. Don't worry, we're going to give away a second copy here uh, at the end. But right now... Who won? Yes, it, my bot will uh, announce it. It should, anyway. Hey, there we go. Uber28. Speak Cool. Up. Congratulations, Uber28. Speak up, you have won. Say something in the old chat, and then uh, as you say something in chat, we will send you one of the keys. Um, I'll yes. go grab it now. Yeah. Sir Justin. But uh, basically, the only reason I'm asking you to say something in chat is because in the past when I've done giveaways, I've had some uh, not very nice people that like claimed to be other people and steal winnings, and that's not cool. So if you speak nice. up then yeah. my bot recognizes it and I can send it to you directly. So, Sweet. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. Just This guy um, probably just like, this guy, he probably just fucking left. Yeah, I mean, it does happen sometimes, but he had to have been there, like, at least for the entry, so. Yeah, maybe he's a neo-Nazi and he didn't like what we were saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a, a couple minutes while I tell the Charmer thing. So, uh, yeah. the Charmer thing is twofold. Uh, one, when I first started streaming, I was playing a lot of League of Legends, and I mained a character called Ar uh, Ari. Uh, she's known for an ability called Charm. And so I was just like, all right, like, I'll just be Charmer. Hey, there he is. Congratulations. And uh, here's a key. You go to Bethesda.net. If you've never done it before, you sign into your account. There is a spot for redeem code. You enter what I just sent you. And congratulations. <clears throat> yeah, congratulations, Uber28. 
you can now uh, play through the story mode tonight. Don't forget to get your titles uh, so you can farm some dumb stuff. And uh, most of the, on, on normal mode, most of the matches are winnable with pretty random stuff. So play what makes you uh, have a good time. So the Neo, Neo Botsy. <laughs> right. So when I started streaming, like I never had this like idea like, oh, I'm going to be the next big streamer. Like it was a hobby from the get go. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've only for the last decade or more worked at either government agencies or nonprofits or like education. And not that I think I'm at all like super controversial, but I do drop the F-bomb from time to time. Um, I'm, I'm prone to weird rants. <laughs> uh so like i was trying to like be just cognizant of that it's not so much like i i don't care if anybody finds me um i've had a couple of weird facebook things i had this one very uh nice gentleman who used to hit on me a lot um and messaged me a bunch for a bit but then uh has stopped uh but for the most part like i don't care if anybody like finds me as a person but i i've always in the back of my head had this weird like i didn't want somebody to like be googling me because of um like my teaching profession or something and then find a video where i'm dropping a bunch of f-bombs playing like a video game or whatever so that was the only reason i used a pseudonym and uh charmer came from like i played a lot of ari at the time i wish i wish it was like i'm charming no no i'm not like i i needed something that like legitimately just wasn't taken and <laughs> and uh didn't directly uh like link me to any of the organizations that i worked for because i didn't want them to have their funding impacted but basically i didn't want like people in need to lose services because i like to play video games so yeah. i understand but i'm like, a little less concerned about that i mean like my my supervisor killed a man like yeah well yeah my organization I mean, has been things for it yeah yours is a little bit different right like specifically right. when i first started um i worked for a small nonprofit in education in our state like every year when they do budget stuff uh they're like looking for an excuse to cut our funding so like it was just me trying to be like cognizant of that but like i've said before like my name's derek and it's spelled funny and i've like written it written it in chat and it's pretty easy to find um like yeah if you want to find out who i am what i'm trying to say is it's not that hard i don't hide it but yeah uh, Immortal King 1982 writes, Now that you have had a chance to play with the new cards, is there any one card that outperformed your initial expectations or underperformed them from what you expected? It's, are you, I mean, serious question for you. Are you just farming Twitch drops and not listening? <laughs> no, Immortal came in like 10 minutes late, but... I'm, I'm fucking kidding. But it, but it is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, and Garlic, yeah, my, yeah, he did. Yeah, I work for a nonprofit that uh, hires people who did time and uh he did 22 years and then his sentence was commuted because he was sentenced as a juvenile and that became uh was ruled unconstitutional in colorado don't don't you have to correct your explanation now though don't you have to say that you work for a nonprofit that hires uh people who previously served time and cute interns that's true yeah we do <laughs> we do have a 22 year old who's who's working at the front desk now oh yep um, but yeah, there have been a lot of cards that have exceeded my expectations. Um, the, the, big, the biggest one for me is Fabricate. That's the one cost neutral action that says build a cre custom creature and put it into your hand. Uh, that card has been so much better than I thought it would be. I've been super impressed by it and I think it's good and goes in a lot of decks. Not aggro decks, but 
a lot of other decks. That's been the card that's most exceeded my expectations. And then um, there's a couple others that I mentioned. Sandra has come back downstairs from watching Rent. I just want to give her a shout out. Uh, also exceeding my expectations was Dwarven Colossus, which has just been really solid. The power spheres make that card playable. So Neuro asks, how does Fabricate work exactly? Uh, great question, because some people still may not like 100% know or have seen it. Yeah. Uh, so when you cast Fabricate, you will be presented with three creatures, right? Uh, the creatures seem to be presented at random because I've got a bunch of different values, but it's either, um, you know, it's basically three creatures that are valued between one and 12, right? And when yeah. I say be valued between one and 12, I mean, it's either a one, one for one, a two, two for two, a three, three for three, yada, yada, yada. And so you get shown three of them and you pick a body, right? After mm -hmm. that, you're then shown, uh, the choice between effects or keywords. So you might be shown like. Uh, ward, breakthrough, and summon deal one damage. Like those are possible outcomes. There's also like a uh, summon you gain two health, a summon give a creature plus one plus one, um, but like all of the normal keywords that you would expect. Though I, I will admit I have not yet seen charge. I've seen. I haven't, see, I haven't seen charge either. I've I think seen, the threat of a twelve twelve with charge is just a little. Yeah, I was just gonna say like I've routinely said I think that charge is the strongest keyword in the game. Um, yeah. Also, charge is very frequently counteracted by smaller bodies. That's why cards like Rampaging Minotaur look unimpressive at first glance. Yes. Um, but, like, I haven't seen charge, so I don't think that's an option. But, like, Breakthrough is, Ward is, Drain is, Guard is. Those I remember. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if... I haven't been presented Regenerate, but I can't imagine why that one wouldn't have been included. I feel like I have seen Regenerate, but I don't, you can't quote me on that. Um, but, yeah. So, like, you get a body first... And, like, it's nice because of the flexibility, right? Like, you can pick the card um, that, like, fits your most immediate need, and then you can, like, pick Ward if you need to start taking value trades. Um, honestly, like, I, I've been loving the ping more than anything. Like, it sounds silly, but an XX yeah. for X that just pings something for one has been enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good. It's just a good card. Uh... I like it a lot, and I look forward to playing it with it quite a bit. It's one of those cards that provides enough flexibility for the extra one magicka you're paying for the creature that it, you know that it's totally worth it. Yeah. Um, cards that have been more dis like I I haven't like cards that have been more disappointing than I thought they would be. Uh, oh, I have to give a special shout out to Arcanium Librarian. Uh, there is a new infinite combo in the game, and. <laughs> I pulled this off in story mode. Uh, if your deck is empty, you have a full board and an Arcanium Librarian on board, and you control a Elusive Schemer, and you have an Elusive Schemer in hand, <laughs> you can uh, make an infinitely large, or you know, however much time you have, uh, Arcanium Librarian and attack for lethal that way. Interesting. Yeah, I did that uh, in story mode by accident. Well, I mean, well, I... Once I realized that I had like four cards in deck and two of them were Lucid Schemer copies, I realized what I could do. And uh, I think that it's a lot of fun. And if you're if you're able to pull that off in one turn in, in the game, uh, like kudos to you. Because it took me, I think, five minutes. Granted, I was spending some of that time taking screenshots and tweeting. But uh, <laughs> right. it took me about five minutes to get a 28-2 creature. Yeah, that's... Uh... 
that's something like I don't I don't think that that's the sort of thing you could do against a player. No, <laughs> probably not. But it is a new infinite combo in the game. You have to draw every card in your deck first, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Maricon asks if Mechanar found Justin on top of one deck and Charm on another. Who in real life is closest to the abomination that would result? Oh man, that's obviously me. <laughs> no, there's no way that's not me. <laughs> You know what? Like, so I got a haircut recently, right? It's the shortest my hair has been quite a long time, and I feel like I, I have like sort of a <clears throat> Euro trash supervillain look to me right now, and I think that uh, I like the look, but <laughs> but I think that I could be a good abomination. Dude, did you uh, did you see the way my wife cuts my hair? Like, I look like I'm straight out of the Hitler Youth, like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just, this is why you don't receive hate messages from those neo-Nazis, and I do. I mean, it's a little deeper than that, but, like... <laughs> um, so why do you think the Abomination would be you? Oh, I just like to make self-deprecating jokes. See, I also enjoy said jokes, but I think it would be me for multiple reasons. Let's hear it. Let's hear your reasons. Well, the abomination is clearly the sort of thing that has had to undergo uh, a pretty radical physical transformation. And, I can see that. Uh, yeah. I have undergone several radical physical transformations from okay. having organs removed to like losing 87 pounds, then putting mm -hmm. weight back on from depression, and then having it come back off. Right. Um, also, the abomination... Um, looks and sounds drastically different because it keeps the original voice line but has the new look and I uh, look like a respectable human being but sound like a complete idiot so I also fit that mold yeah <laughs> I can see it I can see it right on that's kind of I think one of the uh I mean, just to give you a compliment, it's one of the reasons I enjoy doing the show with you, and I think we, we get along so well, is we've both been through a lot, you know? Well, I mean, I think everybody's been through a lot, but I'm, like, overly empathetic. Like, I'm that yeah. guy that defends ropers, because everyone's like, you should punish everyone who ropes, and I'm like, yeah, but they probably had to poop, guys. Like, just give them a break. But they rope every turn! Well, yeah, but, like, Tom Brady uses all of the play clock in the NFL. Like, it's just what yeah. you do. Take a deep breath, man. You know, that's, but I, that's, that's fair. You know, they, somebody's got dyslexia and they're trying to read the cards, man. <laughs> Just give them a break, chill out. Like rules exist for a reason. That's fair. They could be recording a video for YouTube and they're making jokes. Right. <laughs> they could be trying to teach their kid how to play the game, or like their girlfriend, or whatever. Or their cat. I haven't succeeded yet, but I'm trying. Yeah, so this is the question and answer section of the show. You guys have questions, we got answers. You can ask us about anything, it can be about the game, can be about our lives, can be about things that aren't related to anything particularly relevant, it can be about uh, the political news we had today, anything. It could be about cryptocurrencies. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, fun fact, guys. <laughs> I, I am going to be sending Justin a Bitcoin. I found a place that will cheaply sell, like, the physical Bitcoin things, and I'm going to send him one for Christmas. Yep. Because that's the kind of relationship we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, <clears throat> can't wait for five years from now when Justin's cat wins the inaugural Elder Scrolls Legends World Championship. Absolutely. I think she'll be old enough by that point. Wait, wait, stop. For the people who are listening to this podcast and are not here live, the person who just said that, their name is Malibu Barbus, and it is fantastic. <laughs> like, I need to just say, what an amazing Twitch name. That's true. Malibu Barbus, shout out. That's a great name. Uh, what kind of decks do you both enjoy playing the most? Why don't you, why don't you go first, man? Um, anything that makes my opponent concede before I actually win. I'm totally there, man. <laughs> We were talking before the show started, actually, about how our favorite win condition is our <laughs> opponent conceding. Like, so, like, and, and the analogy I used before the show was that, like, in, like, real-time strategy games, like, I'm the kind of guy who's going to be like, look, we can fight or whatever with our troops and stuff, but what I really want to do is build a base, so if you don't attack me for a long time, I can just build a cool city, like, then we can fight and, like, whatever. I don't even care if I lose. Uh, I, do, I take the same kind of approach to Legends. Like, I play for the board all the time. I like to do combat. I like to trade. I like to get incremental value. So, yeah, if I can just win that way, end up with a card, a handful of cards, and my opponent's got nothing on board and no cards in hand, that's a victory for me. Yeah. That's what, This is why Prophecy Battle Mage pisses me off more than anything else in this game. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I'm like, well, I got control of the board. I have a handful of cards, and I'm at 12 life. You know, like, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. And I still lose. Yeah. I, you know, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Like, I'm that guy who, you know, I used to play a ton of Magic, and when I played Magic, like, I was, I was the, the raging douchebag. Um, Absolutely. Who loved to play combo and control, and to me, there was not a single greater feeling than, like, yeah. getting your combo pieces together, starting it, and then mm -hmm. not going through all of the full motions yet. You start it, and then you just look at your opponent, and you say, do you wish to continue? And then, yeah. like watch the look on their face as it comes to realization that they've just lost without actually showing it to them like yeah that that yeah i'm that dude absolutely i mean like i i said before on the show the only modern deck i have the only deck i have on magic online is uh lantern control lantern control yeah <laughs> um so nickname asks what kind of treasure card would you create would you create if you could create one treasure hunter card that's a good question uh, let's think about this. Hmm. That is a good question. Yeah. A 2-2 two, two assassin creature for two. Um. Treasure hunt. Hmm. Draw a creature in an action. Gains lethal and ward. I'm Just off the top of my head. I'm going to say uh, a 3-2 intelligence creature that says uh, draw a card outside of your class. Copy that card. Ooh. So it, it, re it would reward you for playing things like Telvanni Arcanist, Revealing the Unseen, where you can potentially yeah. draw stuff from outside your class. And build that is interesting. That's a good one. That's much better than mine. It's not a contest, but I won. You you did. <laughs> you you did. I mean, like I can't deny you that win. Uh, the Skivaton card, Skivatron card. How bad is it, and how soon can I expect Justin to play it? <laughs> it's real bad, and pretty soon. <laughs> yep, Skivatron OTK is a thing. 
Um, Fuckstick asks, <laughs> you, uh, are you going to have Sandra dress up as Sales Through Storms anytime soon, which I laugh at, because if you follow Justin on Twitter, she's already done it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, that's that's uh, a video we're working on. So I'm going to be giving away another copy of the expansion in the next few days uh, on my channel, and we're going to do it the way we usually do it, where we have a little funny video and an activity to participate in. Uh, and uh, I don't... I don't want to give spoilers for the storyline, but this is sort of like an extension of the storyline from the story mode uh, that the expansion gives. And we get to meet uh, Sails Through Storms, uh, I'm sorry, Swims at Night's father, who is a mob boss named Sleeps with Fishes. And he uh, <clears throat> he's going to give you a mission that you got to, uh, well, he's going to give you an offer you can't refuse. And so you're going to see Sandra as an Argonian very soon. Zombie Hunter 9 by 19 asks uh, what we think about the yellow support that gives you tokens for giving something on your field minus one, minus one. I'm not smart enough to use that card. I think that there are two potential uses for it. I'm not convinced either one are good enough, but I think that it's really good um, value in arrest decks because you can just pile the tokens on uh, whatever you've arrested before you flicker it. Mm-hmm. So you get value out of something that's just sitting there otherwise. I also really like it in Silence Spell Sword. So if you were already considering running uh, like Catapults or Imprisoned Death Lord in any sort of deck where you were going to play them and then use a self-silence effect, yeah. uh, playing this card allows you to throw... Uh, like Imprisoned Death Lord, for example. You play the 7-7, seven, seven, but then you throw a bunch of minus-minus counters on it to get some free tokens, and then when you do finally draw your Silence... Um, silence that not only gets rid of the shackle effect, but also gets rid of all the minus minus effects. So he goes back to a seven seven that's swinging. So uh, is it good enough? Maybe not still, but I think those are some fun and cheeky, interesting ways to use it. I agree. That sounds cool. Um, where are we at? We're at Ray Ray. I want you to read this one. If I dig a ditch three feet long, four feet wide, and three feet deep, how many condoms do I have? to feed a duck to make it shit a rubber tire. Hmm. Well, uh, depending on where you live, force feeding ducks anything and making them do things is illegal. Uh, what is that? Foie gras? I don't know how to say that word. I don't eat meat. <laughs> but uh, the answer is uh, 42 condoms. Yeah, you... You can't make ducks eat things and you also are not allowed to tell them to contact Russians. Yeah, right. Even if Jared Kushner tells them to. Uh, Kazoo Croc asks, uh, any chance we might see Justin Larson on Twitch a bit more frequently, and any chance Charmer might be on a bit earlier? I know the answers, but I'll let you do yours. So I stream Monday nights right now. The plan is in December, because Sanders going out of town for a while. I'll be uh, home alone. Uh, I was looking at the requirements for affiliate status. I've got all the viewership numbers and stuff like that. I just need to stream seven days in a month. And so in December, I will stream seven days, exactly seven days. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I just, I have like no free time as it stands. And Monday nights are basically the only time I was able to fit in a regularly scheduled thing. But you can right now expect me to stream Monday nights uh, around uh, six o'clock mountain time. And then going forward, expect a bunch of bonus uh, December streams as we go for affiliate. Uh, yeah, so as far as me starting earlier... Um, the biggest problem with me is that, like, I work a 40-plus hour a week job during the day. 
uh, doing data governance, and then I also teach computer science and data-oriented uh, courses at a local university. And then I also still do some consulting work for like other nonprofits. Plus I have a wife and kids and I like try to go to the gym, right? So my schedule is really booked and I'm also in like, you can't really see it, but I'm in a tiny room in my basement that's not soundproofed. So I usually wait to start streaming and recording until my kids go to bed. So it's not likely that I'll be starting earlier unless it's special occasions, right? Like if the wife and kids are gone, then I'll stream at weird times or whatever, just cause it's available. Um, the only way that I would stream earlier is if I ever magically somehow made enough money from like content creation that I could quit one of those jobs and then do this. But I'm in that weird catch 22 in that I can't stream enough to like increase my viewer base, if you will, uh, to where that's feasible. And uh, I can't then like quit a job unless I have like increased income. So like I'm basically just at where I'll probably always be and I'm okay with that. Um, I have, however, joked about putting a goal up, like, uh, I see people who do, like, donation goals, um, I've joked that I would put something up that would say, like, you know, for $100,000, I'll quit my jobs and stream full-time for a year, you know, like, sure, like, if you, if you want to cover, like, the cost of me, like, quitting all my jobs and give this a full go, uh, then sure, I'll do it. But A, nobody wants to pay for that shit. And B, uh, heaven help you if I spend that much time on content. Because with what I do with such little time already, like if I felt like it was my job and I put full like true heart and soul, like I don't think you guys can handle it. I'm just throwing it out there. Just too much charm. There's way too much of me. You would be sick of me so fast. Like I'm sick of myself, so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sick of you. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> You and your bitcoins. Uh, let's see here. Justin, did your friend that guy where you stole that win with your factotum deck? Uh, I did not. I look. <laughs> I have like more print, more pending friend requests on Legends than I like to get through in any given sit down when I'm with that game, and um, I just don't do that. I I'm, I slog through it when I need to add somebody for a friend to practice some matches or stuff like that but my friends list is sort of jacked how do you feel about uh, Mac Milanov asks how do you feel about no prophecies printed I personally feel relief since there are so many of it uh, I'm glad no new prophecies were printed except for the little spider guy I'm a little bit bummed I'm not gonna lie I I'm not one of those people that like loathes the prophecy mechanic because it's one of the things that drew me to the game to begin with um, I think I think it's a very elegant way to handle the clunkiness of like nonstop client interactivity in an online card game. Um, I mean, would people like more control over that interaction? Probably, but if you go too far down that rabbit hole, then you end up with something like the Magic Online client. So, like, I like prophecy. I like that it creates tempo swings. Um, I would like to see more prophecy cards that create interesting decisions, though. So like in the past I had done a video uh, for my Forge series where I talked about cards that maybe give extra benefits if played from hand so that when you trigger them from Prophecy maybe they have a diminished effect but it's worth it if you need to stop something otherwise you put it in your hand and play from hand later. Or maybe I'd like to see cards that just have outright different effects like played from hand versus Prophecy just to shake things up but I, 
like I like the mechanic. It's one of the reasons I play the game. It's part of what makes Legends Legends. Um, so like I'm I'm on the prophecy train. No, I like the prophecy mechanic too. I just uh, uh why do I why do I why do I feel this way? Well, my least favorite deck in the game is Prophecy Battle Mage, um, <laughs> and I just don't want them getting new tools. Yeah, That's what like, I like, like I'll put it this way, right? Like, I don't want to see more Mystic Dragons, but yeah. like, I'm totally okay with seeing cards that are, um, you know, like, you know, they say like, because again, like this was one of my examples on the Forge video, right? Like, maybe it's a, a endurance card that says like it's an action has Prophecy, it's a silence a creature. But then it also says, if played during your turn, draw a card or something, right? So, like, yeah. if it triggers when your opponent's attacking you, you're like, okay, maybe I really need to silence something. Um, otherwise, maybe I'll put it into my hand and then use it later for the cantrip. Uh, or, again, you could do the same thing with, like, shackle effects and so on and so forth. Like, I just, I'd like to see, instead of it be like the, oh, I got a prophecy autoplay for free, I want it to be more like, I have this new micro decision to make. Um, I like that, yeah. So that that's just personal preference, but like I'm not sad, uh, or I'm a little sad that we didn't get at least a couple more. I'd like to see some new dual colored prophecy cards. I mean, right now it's just tier, right? So we could. Uh, I mean, anything that makes the classes more different, I'm all about. So knowing that like the only matchup you're going to have to worry about a certain prophecy triggering is like against assassin or against warrior, I think is an interesting, uh, something interesting to add to the game. So that'd be something I guess I'd like to see. Oh man, now I feel bad because I, I had my chat scrolled up so I could keep track of questions and, uh, Maricon said, wow, that sounds great. And now I don't know what he was referencing. Oh, Oh yeah, I'm I sure, I'm sure it was something awesome because that's just maybe, the way he works. Maybe it's a Russian joke. Maybe yeah, maybe someday uh, we can sacrifice a goat to like Baphomet or something and get him in here. Get Baphomet in here? Holy shit! Yeah, because I figure <laughs> yeah. I figure the power of Baphomet is the only way to actually get Paul like yeah. show up. So first we have to summon like an elder demon. That would make sense. Yeah, Maricon, if if you're. Uh... If you're down, we'd love to have you as a guest sometime. That would be awesome. Um, where are we at for questions? Let's see here. Oh, we had a couple people asking about the Russians comment. So, there's a lot of jokes about Russian stuff coming from the USA because um, I I don't know what it's like for the people who live outside of the USA, right? Like, I don't have that life experience. I've only ever lived here. But here, and especially for at least like the last decade, 15 years or more, um, the U the United States is like in a constant news cycle. Like news doesn't stop; it's everywhere. There are like many, many, many twenty four hour a day, seven days a week news channels. It's on your social media. It's on your radios. Like you turn on your electric toothbrush and it spits out news at you. <laughs> like it's everywhere. And uh, as a result of that, um, things like just get beat into your head over and over again because if there's no like free-flowing news then people will just talk about the same things over and over again and one of the things dominating our news cycle for like the last year is uh, potential Russian meddling with our election systems um, I guess I shouldn't say potential there's been confirmed there's been confirmed yeah. cases um, I've actually attended some security conferences where like I I can't talk about like whatever but like because I work for government agencies but uh, there have been like actual confirmed cases and not like on the grand scale like most people think but like at local like 
elections where it has been like fully confirmed that there was like some Russian interference. Now, whether or not it's like truly state-led, because um, if you guys also don't know, um, again from like the internet security world, uh, Russia has been like the home of cybercrime for forever. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like I'm not talking necessarily state-sponsored stuff. That's probably like China holds that like championship if i if you will but uh like russia is home to like almost all shady things on the internet so if it's like drugs trafficking uh sex trafficking like uh money laundering and it has anything to do with the internet uh russia's probably involved um and their (laughs) their crime syndicates so anyway the this is my long-winded unnecessary rant to just say that there's a lot of russia jokes because it's like been in our news cycle for forever and uh justin and i were joking about it earlier and we think it's funny yeah and specifically uh former national security advisor to trump was uh pled guilty today to lying to the fbi and agreed has announced he's agreed to cooperate and testify against this administration so it's just yeah it's in the news yeah it's in it's in the news so it's like relevant so we're just making jokes um they don't don't misunderstand us like this isn't going to be a political podcast anytime soon this is 100 percent chicanery and yeah this is just the equivalent of Reddit shit posting for two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't don't panic, guys. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Brigadoom asks, uh, what class best supports a factotum deck in your option? But I assume he means opinion because he corrects it a line down below. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's spell sword control. Uh, I pick spell sword because you have access to Galen and Soul Terrors to replay your factotum for additional buffs. Uh, you also get access if you want to Winterhold Illusionist, um, along with a Knight to Remember if you want. But uh, basically, like Spell Sword Control uh, gives you control options to drag it to the long game, gives you access to health, um, gives you access to great flicker effects and uh, reanimation effects, so that you can keep replaying them. Um, because, like, let's be honest, uh, the goal is to get to the assembled Titan and then play it as many times as possible to abuse it, right? Like. That's just what you're trying to do. I think Spellsword gives you likely the best uh, ability to do that. Uh, there are other classes I think that could also do it, but I think that Spellsword, uh, Spellsword would be my first choice. I think anything with Gale and Shelterer is a good place to start. And then look at uh, what cards you want to support the archetype, right? I mean, like, I think that Monk Factotums could be a thing just because you have the Master of Thieves, Thieves' Den combo that you can stick in any deck with, that runs creatures. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think Spellsword's a good choice. I think Sorcerer is a good choice because I think Skulk Fabricant is just such a strong card. Um, even Warrior with a theme with uh, running equipment cards is a reasonable idea as well. Uh, you know, Factotum is strong enough, and there's enough neutral support in the game now that, like, it, you can kind of pick and choose what kind of stuff you want to run with it and have some fun with, and have a reasonable win rate on the ladder. It's pretty draw-dependent. Like, you're, you're, you got a pretty high variance deck because you're only running, like, 15 Factotums. But, uh, when it goes off, it goes off big. Alright, so, uh, Zombie Hunter 9x19 asks, what is a preliminary thought on what could be a popular deck with the new cards. Uh, I mean, he asks you, right? Well, he's at, he says, and Justin Larson, right? So he's asking both. 
Okay. And also, just as a heads up, when they do that at Charmer thing, they're usually doing that so that, like, I'll see it. Not necessarily because they are asking me directly, I don't think, but... Fair enough. Uh... Well, the deck I've the new deck I've seen the most of is just Factotum decks. Um, I've seen more Monk than I expect, more Monk control deck than I expected, but I don't really know why. There's not any new cards in it, really. Um, but it seems like the most popular new deck right now is uh, some kind of Factotum deck, either Sorcerer or uh, I've seen uh, Assassin as well. Uh, yeah. um, Good. I was gonna say I think long term. Uh, yeah. I think Support Mage will rise in popularity. It was already starting to rise like at the end of last season, but I think yeah. the new tools are going to make it um, yes. like very attractive, and I think that the presence of so much aggro will make it attractive. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to play a deck on the ladder right now and you don't mind slow, like, grindy games against other slow decks, uh, I think Support Mage is a deck you should be playing. Uh, I think that Support Mage is going to end up being a pretty clear Tier 1 deck in the next few weeks once it gets uh, ironed out. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of new tools, and it was already pretty strong before. Yeah. Um, and it got some tools that help it in other control mirrors where it may have, like, lacked yeah. before, so I think that that's a really good one. Um, mm -hmm. I I expect uh, some mid-range decks to come back in popularity. They're not necessarily new, but a lot of your old-school um you know, like mage, sorcerer, etc., mid-range decks that kind of faded in popularity. I think will kind of come back a bit as well. Um, mm -hmm. And as far as like brand new, like just entirely based off of new cards, uh, the other one that I expect to be somewhat popular is the you can't have fun deck. Um, yeah. If if for no other reason than there will be just enough stream snipers out there that will have a blast doing it. <laughs> and will love, love, love finding themselves cued into a streamer and then watching their hand and playing Hallowed Death Priest and then Dark Rebirthing Hallowed Death Priest and then Soul Tearing Hallowed Death Priest and then yeah. playing Mechanar to rip whatever you were going to draw because you can't have fun. And like I, whether or not that's good is yet to be seen, but I know that it will see play. So. Yeah. Um, other decks that I they just feel like deserve a small shout-out, I think Market Archer has only gotten stronger in this expansion, and it was already a pretty good deck. And I think that uh, Item Battle Mage is a reasonable choice now as well. Treasure Hunt Battle Mage, if you want to call it that. A lot of the cards, actually, that um, Treasure Hunt Battle Mage got are cards that... Uh, like, here's the thing. Treasure Hunt Battle Mage is going to lose to Prophecy Battle Mage every time. So right now it's a bad choice because people are, it's the first few days of the season. People are looking to beat people who are building new decks that aren't refined. Uh, and Prophecy Battle Mage does a good job of beating those decks. Um, long term, I think that Item Battle Mage will be a stronger deck. Certainly more interesting, which, I mean, I don't know, that's important to me. Um, so this is a good question. Yeah. That's, Uber uh, 20. Yeah, I was going to say, it's for you, Uber28. Uh, Justin, have you seen Nigel's imitation of uh, Mechanar during Mechanar's Will Reveal and thoughts about it as a fellow cosplayer? I did see it. I thought it was really cool. I was glad to see somebody else doing something goofy like this. And uh, I think that the community needs, needs more of it. Um, I had a thought about the Legends community, actually, a couple days ago that I wanted to share. Um, you know, I still follow a lot of the Magic community. Uh, and... I don't know if, if you guys are familiar, but there's a um, 
there's a big debate going on, I guess, in the magic community about uh, the, how hostile of an environment it can be for some people and about bullying and about just bad attitudes and stuff like that lately. And like, frankly, like it makes the Legends community look like a retirement community for angels because <laughs> like the magic community right now, like part of it is just like turned into a real like just real shit fest. And uh, we have a great community. Uh, I think that if we had some more... Um, more idiosyncratic content creators i think you know like like charmer's got his forge series and he's got his uh dad jokes and he's got a, he's got a thing right like charmer's really good at doing the charmer thing um it can be and i'm a guy who's really invested in legends it can be easy for me sometimes to forget who certain content creators are like mix them all together and stuff i think that what nigel did is great and i love seeing that sort of variety i think it's one of the things that hearthstone really succeeds at is like there's hearthstone content creators who run the gamut of like personality and like technique and like what they're doing and stuff um and, and uh i think that legends could use some more stuff like that right um nigel dressing up as a wizard was absolutely amazing i, I loved it and i look forward to seeing more of his stuff yeah true story uh and justin can back me up on this on two separate occasions i have actually reached out to justin and said hey i have this idea <laughs> but like cosplay is kind of your thing and i didn't want to step on your toes and <laughs> That's true. in one of the cases so like in one of the cases i just didn't have the time uh also somebody mentioned my mic volumes uh hopefully that's fixed now apparently something had turned my mic down by a pretty considerable uh percent i should have that fixed now um but when i got my very very first card reveal ever i was really excited for it uh it's stalking shadow scale it's still like my background on twitter like the day that i got the art and stuff for it i made custom backgrounds that i still run like you name it right uh i was i was really excited about it and i i sent justin a message and i said hey i really want to dress up like an argonian for this and then i even sent him a link to this halloween mask for jurassic park that i wanted <laughs> i was like there's this like t-rex mask but I, I was like if i throw a hood on i totally think i'll look like the stalking shadow scale yeah um but like i couldn't get the mask in time mm -hmm. and then the other time that i asked justin uh for permission and then i ended up just chickening out because i'm a chicken right uh <laughs> was like I, I asked him if he would be okay because i know that he'd shared a similar idea with me about dressing up like a farmer <laughs> because i wanted to do a video where i was a uh, a twitch drop farmer and yeah. basically just like mocked the drop culture because again like deep right. down like I, I try to be a nice person but deep down i'm kind of a dick um yeah. and so like there's been a couple of times where i've messaged justin and i said like i kind of want to do cosplay but like i didn't want to step on your toes um i'd love to do more goofy stuff right like i i think what yeah. justin does is great i would love to do it it's certainly my personality like at home i'm full dad mode like i'm yeah uh, i i will do that all day long uh if you if you think I won't dress up as something when Justin and I finally actually meet, uh, you're yeah. dead wrong. Like I will, um, I, I will do whatever is asked of me, and I I will at some point end up dressed up, and uh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I mean, like, and and both times, you know, you reached out to me. I was like, look, man, I absolutely do it. In fact, I think if I'm remembering it correctly. When you talked to me about the Jurassic Park mask. I think that was after we had gotten the Jurassic Park mask, and we had like tried repeatedly to film in it. And like, or maybe it was before, either way, I just know that we had a conversation where I was like, look, man, it's really hard to film in those masks, <laughs> which is why Sandra is always the one who wears it now. 
Yeah, it really is hard to film in those. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, real quick to answer this quick question on here. Is this just a story time stream? This is the Fun and Interactive podcast where once a week Charmer and I get together and uh, half the show we spend talking about some topic and then the other half of the show we answer questions. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. What do I think of the... Per oh, wait. Any tomfoolery planned at all? Here's what I'll say about costume tomfoolery uh, for Clockwork City. We have a white t-shirt that Sandra has spray-painted bronze drying in the garage. <laughs> um, what do I think of the purple fabricant? Uh, it's the most boring of the four of the five. I think it's the, I think the best one is shulk fabricant. I think, the, I think that verminous fabricant is potentially the most powerful, but really difficult to use particularly usefully because it's two drop for two drop two two that requires a neutral card on board already to trigger the silence um it'd be really good in some kind of tempo deck uh, where you could tr trigger it and play another card the same turn i was gonna say i think that's really interesting because to me i think that the agility one has the highest ceiling yeah i think the agility one is uh probably second strongest to me in my opinion yeah like when i think of what the agility one has the potential to do in like yeah. alter assassin Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Because Alter triggers it. Yeah. Like, it it has some pretty serious upside when you consider that it, like, Shackles is a tempo play, has the potential to gain health. It can shackle cross lane, unlike the spider. Um, like, I, I think that one's really good. It just, I think that one suffers because it's a control ish card that yeah. isn't isn't as good on curve as the, the blue one is, right? Yeah. So, so, um, like if you just have to play a body for a body, it like it's not as good, and it's a little clunky to always guarantee you have the neutral in play. Like Night Mother triggers it. Like I'm trying to think of control cards you would actually want to play before turn four, and I think yeah. that's the, where that one struggles. But like I think power level wise, that one has a huge upside. Yeah, I can I can totally agree with that. Um, but yeah, so in conclusion, five Magicka, eight eight strong. But, um, I don't know. I mean, it's good. It's a good card. Uh, it's really, if you can, if you can reliably trigger it, you should run that card. Uh, because even if you're just copying, topping out your curve in some magical fantasy deck with that card, still awesome. Um, doo -doo -doo. what would you guys like to see? Zombie Hunter 9x19 asks, what would you guys like to see in a Factotum mini expansion? Having played with Factotums now uh, and played against them, I I kind of am of the opinion they might be like maybe just like one more Factotum added to the game would be cool, but uh, too many more Factotums and like the deck becomes overpowered. Yeah, I was actually gonna say I don't I don't think that we need necessarily uh, a ton more bodies. If you yeah. want to add more like to the deck without necessarily making the power level crazy, I would almost like to see something. <clears throat> like in action right that's like uh you know a two cost action that has just assemble and like you, you pick two things and then it doesn't like impact it. like you don't get board presence but you're just planning for the future you know what i mean um yeah. i would be okay with that or i would be okay with um maybe a high costed support like maybe you call it assembly line or something 
that has like <laughs> three charges and then like every time you activate it it gives you an assemble of like either plus one plus oh or you know plus uh zero plus one or something you know what i mean but just like that idea of um exploring more of the factotum stuff but not necessarily making it so that you like just jam more bodies into your deck i think that there are some other cool ways that you could explore the assemble mechanic yeah if I was going to create one new factotum, I don't know about the cost, but I would like the ability to choose between drain and last gasp draw a card. <laughs> if I just if I just feel like breaking the ladder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I if I could pick, it would be like play unstoppable rage for free, or <laughs> I mean, come on, man, like last gasp draw a card, really? Hell yeah, dude! Like dark I've rebirth been... all day long. Are you serious right now? Absolutely, man. Like I have been asking for cards that say "Last Gasp Draw a Card" since closed beta. It's it's my thing. It's what I want more of. I want an orc that says "Last Gasp Draw a Card." Um, this this is the train that I ride. Yeah. Here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see any assembly option that has the text of Belmora Spymaster. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. When are we going to see an option to uh, purchase uh, Legends content? Legends expansions with Bitcoin, do you think? Uh, it's probably already there. Yeah, even though the currency doesn't have any intrinsic value. <laughs> the currency does have uh, intrinsic value. <laughs> D you, does it? You, you don't know anything about blockchain technology, apparently. I, I was unaware that any uh, any utility was generated by this currency. No, not only is there utility generated by it, but then that like there are alternative currencies, like the big one is Ethereum, that app developers actually use as the backbone of part of their platform. Like I'll t I'll tell you about this off, uh, but there's like an act. It's not like somebody was like, this is now a currency, and everyone jumped on board. Like it, it actually has uh, has cool uses. So I'll tell you Fair about enough. it sometime. That's sweet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, that you, now that you got me sidetracked damn you um uh tough question from l lucas speaking of which uh how do i play ultra decks never tried out of fear of failing miserably because i don't understand uh the stereotype slash archetype uh okay so the first thing you need to do is figure out how, like your chain right you need a one through a 12 uh, that if you go all the way up to 12 in like a control on control matchup because your ultra deck is going to function like a mid-range deck with a with a late game that can beat a control deck so it's like a it's like a sort of subpar mid-range deck that can dominate the late game you need to figure out a chain that generates more value than the tempo loss that you uh suffered when you played altar of despair on turn six and didn't advance your board <laughs> <laughs> you can i mean like the easiest way to do that is to run Ungolim as your only one drop so that your first uh, altar pull hits a hits a uh, assassin. Uh, I mean, there are other ways to do it too. Um, but that's why most altar decks run green. Yeah. Uh, you can there if you if you have like a particularly strong combo, you can run that as a way to overcome that tempo loss uh for instance in mage if the only six drop you run is conjuration tutor and then you run no seven drops in your deck you're guaranteed to the turn after you summon the conjuration tutor pull out two um lava atronox 
but you just you need to have a, a kicker like some kind of way to regain control when you sort of give it up intentionally for a turn um, and you just also need to have a list of your deck next to you so you know what you're going to pull out and you need to have a bunch of removal spells in your deck to allow you to get the time to do this sort of dicking around yeah the other thing that really helps is if you run uh, a creature package, for example, that has a lot of summon abilities. Yeah. So that when you do pull them with your altar, you're getting some sort of immediate value. So, um, like Monk, for example, if you've ever played Altar Monk, really likes something like Night of the Hour, because not only do you get the prophecy, but if you do get your altar up to like five, for example, uh, you know, you're going to get like a guaranteed way that you can gain some health potentially, right? Like just playing off those summon effects can also, you know, make sure that you're getting value. Yeah. Last gasp works, dude. The, another popular one is assassin because you can get uh, a lot of value off of um, stuff like elusive schemer, necrom mastermind, Valmora spy master and stuff. Yep. Wisp mother is also really strong there. Yeah. Um, so nickname asked, uh, how would you tune the game around ramp scout? Hmm. It's a good question. I think the game's okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I legitimately don't have a problem with, uh, yeah. ramp scout. I was a little bit sour for a bit. Um, just in general at the idea of there always being, um, basically endurance is, the attribute for like late game dominance right just like period because of the presence of solitaire and Hisgrove, and it's been that way for a long time like if you're trying to be a predator of other control decks then you play something with endurance and for a long yeah. time that upset me but then I, I was reflecting on it and i was like well you know every attribute kind of has some sort of identity and yeah. if we're gonna pick one uh, that is supposed to be like the late game of late games it should be endurance like it's literally called endurance like it should just want to survive longer than anyone else and have the best late game um so i honestly i just think that that's like scout's place um yeah. if if it can survive like it should win those late games um the problem is is that right now it's only uh you know surviving you know some of the time most of the time um yeah, I mean, the problem isn't the power level of Scout. The problem is the number of people playing Scout. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally it's a popularity problem, not a power yeah. level problem. Right. And also, I think that Alter Mage being able to beat Scout means that the meta is even healthier than it was a month ago. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, like, the blue control decks uh, were sort of hated out of the meta by the popularity of Scout, not necessarily the power level of Scout. Um, and if a blue control deck can beat Scout with any sort of regularity, even if it's 40%, that's good enough because your other matchups are real good. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Where are we at? What if it had last tasks? Oh, yeah. That's the already uh, American blockchain that generates value, didn't we just? Hey, 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 look, on Twitter today, I said that uh, the original blockchain technology was Legos, and those things are really valuable. And I know this because every time I buy them for my kid, I go, holy shit, these are expensive. <laughs> I was in a block gang, actually, growing up. Yeah, I think I saw you. Like, I was watching West Side Story the other day, and I was like, huh, mm -hmm. that's a yeah. young Justin Larson. Better not let any of those sharks come around, because us jets will fuck them up. 
<laughs> I, I I enjoy West Side Story because like like it's the original you got served, right? Like they show up and have like a, a dance fight, basically, right? Like they do, they do, yeah. I oh. met a girl named Maria. <laughs> um where else? I'm gonna keep it hundred. I don't know what blockchain means. Yeah, like I, like, like I said, I'll, I'll tell you later. It's actually kind of a cool principle, but... Okay. Uh, Uber28 just wrecked, got wrecked by Ultra Scout by chaining Galen and Parthenax. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do that. I mean, the most frustrating part of that scout for me, or any deck running Parthenax, is just looping Parthenax. Having one card that can potentially generate infinite value... See, now let me uh, stop that. sort of boring, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I like the incremental value that you gain in a control-on-control -control match. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, though. It's not infinite. It doesn't just keep happening forever. It's something somebody's investing 12 magic in every time and has a way to trigger it, right? Like, yeah. if somebody's replaying Parthenax on you seven, eight, nine times, why yeah. haven't you won the game in the time it took you to kill Parthenax seven, eight, or nine times? Bro, because what? I don't run decks with win conditions in them. Why? I run decks. Well, with sure, but I just mean like the average person. Like, you, like seriously, <laughs> you had the resources to kill Parthenax nine times, but you couldn't close out the game. Like the guy was playing something for twelve magic every turn that doesn't have charge and like passing. I don't yeah. know. Here's an idea. Maybe just don't kill it. Like unless you're at nine or less health, take a yeah. shot to the face. Sometimes the best counterplay to Parthenax is to yeah. just leave it the fuck alone. Yeah. Right. Like. Hey, it's over there. Good for you. You can't you can't loop it if I don't kill it. Maybe I'll shackle it a couple of times. But right. like buy time to find your Marak and steal it. Buy time to like find your mummify if you're playing it. Or like just concede and queue up again. But like if somebody's played it on you nine times and you didn't find a way to win, like, come on now, man. The, the, the problem isn't that Parthenax loops nine times. The problem is that you couldn't close out a game. Like that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I, in principle, I I agree with you. My personal problem with Parthenax is that the decks I like to play, yeah, sure, <laughs> lose to Parthenax. I mean, I mean that's look, I get it. That's fair. The decks that I like to play lose to a lot of different things, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not gonna say that Parthenax should be changed because like it screws up my you know dirtly decks. Yeah. So also like since we're still kind of on the ramp thing, Glyph said uh, the problem with the idea of endurance like having the stringer hold or just scout in general on the late game is that they can be on 10 mana uh when you have five and that's not late game um i mean if they're on 10 when you're on five then they went like tree minder into his mage into like his grove and tree minder again like to get to be on 10 when you're on five means they really didn't do a whole lot else and either, again, in my opinion, right, if you're playing something aggressive or mid-rangey, like, you should be in a position to win the game. Because they haven't done a whole lot, right? If that's the case. And if yeah. you're not playing those decks, then you just queued into a bad matchup because that deck is meant to prey on control decks, right? Like, it's it's doing its job. Like, it sucks, yeah. but, like, that's... Like, they're not going to be on 10 when you're on 5 and they've played, like, removal a bunch of times. Look, and again, this is a problem that's fixed by more people playing decks that B 
beat Scout repeatedly, like decks full of charge creatures, uh, Market Archer, <laughs> um, Altar Assassin. These decks beat Scout. They're not great against the rest of the field necessarily, but they beat Scout. And then it, the consequence, though, needs to be that fewer people play Scout. Right now, it seems like even though there are a lot of decks out there that beat Scout, Scout's popularity doesn't seem to change. <laughs> Uh, you know, usually the, the meta cycles a lot, and it, and it still does at high legend rank, but like for the general uh, legends player, like scouts just still sort of all over the place. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it really just comes down to like there's power level, right? But then there's like also psychology. Yeah. Pe people like to play big, flashy creatures, right? Yeah. Drag like, let's be honest, dragons are cool. Yeah. Dragons are fun. Yeah. They're attractive. Mm -hmm. And if I have a deck that I can still get like 55-60% win rate and play big cool creatures, like mm -hmm. I don't fault people for playing that. I get why the deck is popular. But just yeah. because something is popular does not mean that it has an issue with power level. You know what exactly. I mean? Like Exactly. Yeah, that basically sums it up. Um doo -doo 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 -doo. Any more questions? We've been on for a long time. I mean we have, yeah. I see some people saying that like Parthenax also clears the board and gives you shouts. Um, he he's right. I mean, he gives you three shouts, but like worst case scenario, right? Like let's just think this through. The worst case scenario would be he gives you a soul tear, so you have your loop ready, and yeah. two more drain vitalities that are already level three, right? That's the worst case scenario. So it's like they just played Odaving. and Odaving's already been a card for forever, and nobody's complained about like the ultra oppressiveness of that. So they've played Odevang with the potential to loop. So all you have to do in this scenario is just not kill Parthernax nine times again. Like either close out the game or just accept that like they had yeah. the play that won the game. Like it happens. It's you know not, what might be it's not oppressive. You know what might be the problem in that deck though, now that I think about it a little bit? Is Eclipse Baroness. <laughs> the, yes. I would listen, the problem with that deck in my opinion is Eclipse Baroness and Tazcad way more than Parthenax. Yeah. Like, I, I lose way more games to people who get, like, the Tazcad on turn seven that they get to Soul Tear, like, three or four times than I do to Parthenax. Because, yeah. like, it turns out 11-11 uh, Tazcad is really, really good. Um, but, yes. but, yeah, Baroness, in my opinion, is so much value, and they can Soul Tear Baroness, too, if they, like... Like, you can't... You can't, uh, when it, you get to that late game point, like, you can't make them run out of resources, right? Right. So. I mean, I t that's almost true. I've done it with Alter Mage, though. I mean, not Alter Mage, uh, Support Mage. It is possible to generate more value than Scout with Alter Mage, with Support Mage. Not likely. But with the right combination of stealing cards with Marak, with Orb of Vermina, College of Winterhold, like, I mean, I've done it more often than I ever would have expected to be able to do it. But yeah, it's late game is unparalleled. Yeah, somebody's pointing out that the, the shouts are better than Odovang because they shrink your guys, which is true, but that's also if you get the nuts draw. Like, Odevang yeah. is always Odevang. That's if they get Soul Tear and two Drain Vitalities, which is yeah. like a very specific draw that's even yeah. less consistent than it would have been because we got a new Shout added to the mix as well. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, like, look, guys, I get it. Like, nobody likes to lose, and they certainly don't like to lose to the, like, the same card over and over again, but every control deck has finishers, and they have for, like, the entirety of the game. Um, like, everybody's gonna have something that closes you out, and if it's not Parthenax, it'll be something else. Like, the Boogeyman before for a while was the, you know, Supreme Atromancer and mid-range decks, the Boogeyman before that. Uh, was Manticoras that used to loop endlessly with Brilliant Experiment. There will always be, like, some weird, greedy, late-game thing. And um, it's either, like, going to get nerfed, because some of those things did get nerfed in the past, or... All of them. (laughs) Uh, uh, Brilliant Experiment got uh, nerfed, Manticora got nerfed. His his grove got nerfed. Yeah. 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 I mean, technically, Parthenex got an indirect nerf with the expansion. That's true. Technically. Yeah, Solaris into Solaris into Yarl. Those all got nerfed. Yeah. Macmillanov asks, do I have a favorite voice a card voice line in the new expansion? I really enjoy the one-cost werewolf. I actually haven't had a lot of time to listen to him. Because I'm talking most of the time when I'm playing, um... <laughs> like I don't hear what they say a whole lot to be honest with you I also really liked the werewolf uh, I'm usually talking a lot as well Justin but the werewolf um, what's on he the, say on, well, here, I don't even remember what he says here's what I remember I was like taken aback because um, yeah. I was talking but like I, I stopped so I didn't hear the full voice line because the art is really unassuming on the guy yeah. but then when he speaks it's like like this deep intimidating voice like it for a one three it is one of the most intimidating voice like actors it's like like you know michael clark duncan back from the grave to voice line like a one drop you know what i mean um i was like oh wow like that was not the voice line i was expecting um that's fair uh yeah rock and roll man yeah, this was good, but I expected it to be because, you know... It's an exciting time. It's the best time to play the game. It really is. Not that there's ever a bad time to play the game. Yeah. But... That's true. But it's the, this is the best. Oh, yeah. Soul Rest into Soul Rest into Soul Rest into Ring Induced Task. Yeah. Oh. That's a good one. It's a good one, yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't remember those shenanigans... Yeah. There was a time when Soul Rest Marshall, uh, if you had the health lead, it was 5 for a 4-4, but it reduced the cost of the next creature you played by 6. <laughs> so you could, like, Soul Rest into Soul Rest into Soul Rest into uh, Triumphant Yarl and then refill your hand. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a good time. Bad time to play is on your wedding anniversary. That's true. Hey, when I had my 10th wedding anniversary, we did a podcast that night, and I was here. <laughs> that, is, that is true, dude. That is true. Because <laughs> priorities. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So next week's uh, episode is going to be, we're not sure which day, but... Uh, no, next week's is on Friday. Next week's on Friday, and the week yep. after that, though, will, might be on Sunday. I am going to San Diego for a week. Yeah. Did you know that means whale's vagina? San Diego means whale's vagina? Yeah. I I did not know that. Yeah. I, I thought it meant St. Diego. No, it, it, 
According to Ron Burgundy, it totally means whale's vagina. That's fascinating. Who am I to argue with the greatest newsman of all time? I mean, I know I can't. <laughs> I'm getting married, by the way. I think May. Th I think the week of like May 13th. Nice. My birthday yeah. is May 25th. So Very nice. Maybe I need to give myself an early birthday present. That'd be sweet, dude. And, That'd be sweet. Uh, that would be cool. Like, if I could afford... But my problem is, is, like, I'd love to come out, but, like, I also want to try to make it to, like, one convention next year, and, like, i got to save money for that, too. Yeah, well, I think that in terms of, I guess, getting together and hanging out, a con is a better idea than um, the day before my honeymoon. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for the support. Yep. Sandra and I are getting it done. That's not the best choice of words post honeymoon joke. Oh, we're going to have sex, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't eat meat, land based meat? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I practice uh, type of Zen Buddhism. I don't uh, eat meat as a consequence of that, but like there is more philosophical stuff to it than that. Um, I just, you know, meat's delicious. And uh, I think that uh, there are a lot of great reasons to eat meat. I just have the opportunity not to. And uh, so I choose not to. I wouldn't begrudge anybody for eating meat. Um, but, you know, it takes a lot of energy investment and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just not really into it. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, final final thoughts, like Jerry Springer style. Do you remember when he used to do the final thoughts? <laughs> trying to think if I can do Jerry Springer's voice. Well, guys, today we learned. That if you go out there and you don't give 110%, your partner's going to find someone else who will give 110%. And those are my final thoughts. <laughs> Did you say partner or sister? Because I'm sure they're the same thing on that show. They're the same thing in that show. Uh, yeah, a zombie 109 by 19. I said May. Because you eat themed wedding naturally? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the second giveaway. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't letting us out. Like We're definitely still doing that. All right, let's do that, man. Let's get it rolling. All right, we're gonna we're gonna change it up. So before it was RTCC, but right now it's gonna be R2CC. It's like the newest droid coming from uh, the Last Jedi. It's the new R2 unit, R2CC. Do you ever get the feeling watching those movies that like the marketing department has a huge hand in character creation? Um, yes and no. Like, I definitely felt that way for George Lucas, but that's because that was, like, he knew that was his cash cow, right? Yeah. Um, like, by the time that Return of the Jedi, like, rolls around, he was already making enough royalties and stuff from the merchandising that he was making that movie to sell toys and not for content, and I think that's one of the big reasons I have a problem with it. And it's the same reason that the prequels ended up the way they did, because he was trying to check all the boxes. Like um, even beyond Jar Jar, right? Like the pod racing stuff and that's like, true. You know, like you name it, it's it, it was all there. Um, I, I feel like it was like it's all it's part of the like Star Wars culture in many ways now. So like it's going to be yeah. there. But I honestly feel like, um, you know, when they did Force Awakens, uh, 
there wasn't as much stuff that was like a hundred percent like marketing shoved down my throat. Um, well, there weren't there weren't any original ideas in that movie at all. <laughs> well, so like obvi obviously the Kylo Ren lightsaber is like so they sell cool new unique lightsabers and whatever. Like there are a couple, but a yeah. right like you you are correct. There's not any original ideas, but I always, I always laugh when that's a complaint of that film, right? Because the number one complaint of the prequels was, this isn't Star Wars. This isn't what I remember. So they yeah. literally went, okay, here's the fucking Star Wars you remember. Like, yeah. you like A New Hope? Here's A well, New Hope. And then people I, were like, oh my god, I don't like this. Well, then you don't like A New Hope, asshole. Like, Well, no, dude, I, 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 see, I agree with, with your point, but like, but the star wars 7 made me do was like the prequels more <laughs> yeah and i'm glad i've look i caught flack uh for a long long time for saying that the prequels are not nearly as bad as everyone makes them out to be when you think like yeah, yeah there are some stuff that is super cringeworthy do not misunderstand me but when yeah. you think about all the cool stuff that they brought to the star wars universe right like we didn't have ninja jedis until the prequels right yeah. like we had we had grandpa waving around his cane and then like disappearing <laughs> under a cloak. And that was the cool sword fights we had in the first star Wars movie. You know what I absolutely, mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Funny story. I went and saw the, I don't remember which prequel it was. It wasn't the third one. So it's either the first or the second. Uh, my friends and I uh, were like, well, everybody's going to dress up in costumes. So let's, let's drop acid and dress, dress up in costumes from other movies. <laughs> so a friend of mine, like my buddy Gene, went as the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, my buddy Eric wore a Star Trek uniform. Um, and I dressed up as the Curious George guy with the yellow trench coat. And I brought a, a, oh, yeah. stu uh, a stuffed monkey. Ted. Ted? I thought it was George. No, George yeah. is the monkey. It's Curious George. Ted is oh, the fuck. man in the yellow wow. hat. Wow, that was awful. And then uh, my buddy Fish, I don't remember what he uh, wore, but we... Uh, Dropped a bunch of ass and went to see the movie. Stood out in line for the you know opening night, and there are all these dudes dressed as Jedi and shit standing around. It's like giving us like the, the meanest fucking looks. And uh, uh, the guy dressed as the Tin Man kept going up to Jedi and being like, "Let's duel, <laughs> right?" Yeah. And they'd be like, "What are you What are you talking about, man?" He's like, "You You, you brought a weapon. Let's duel." And he just walked around challenging people to duels the entire night because we waited outside for like four hours. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's what see, I see all these people like, yeah, like the lightsaber fights were great. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, if you don't think General Grievous at least looks cool. Yeah. You know, like there was a, a fair amount of stuff. You know, you get Saruman uh, in a lightsaber battle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, in retrospect, they're better movies than I gave them credit for at the time. Yeah. They're not, I mean, they're not good movies, but they're more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, But, I mean, here's the thing, like... Star Wars has always been like a popcorn style flick anyway, right? Like they're space yeah. operas, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, the prequels did some pretty horrible things, like making the Force be an STD that you catch. Like, damn it, mm -hmm. I got a bad case of the midichlorians. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. But there was a bunch of cool stuff, too. Yeah. All right, we're going to say, like, uh, you know, one more minute if you have not yet got in for the giveaway. Again, this is for a code for return to Clockwork City. The new yeah. expansion. Absolutely. 
For those of you who have never done this before, you'd go to your Bethesda.net account, sign in, there's a spot for redeem code. You will enter the code that uh, I message you, and then when you sign back into the game, you'll have access to all three acts. Yeah, see, prequel also gave gifts and memes, right? Like, the, yeah. the prequel, in my opinion, is 100% worth it just because I got to learn about Darth Plagueis the Wise. And if I if I got I nothing else... I'm sorry. I just remember <laughs> when I read that whole thing the other day. <laughs> yeah, that's called the comedic callback. Yeah, that's good, dude. <laughs> uh, shit. You ever seen Kung Fu Hustle? Of course I have. That movie's also fantastic. That is a great movie. <laughs> not even going to qualify it by saying it's not a good movie. I just like it. No, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's just it's just fun. Absolutely. I'm also the Senate. I used that line in uh, the video where I played like nine characters. <laughs> I had Mr. Larson say, I am the council. <laughs> you liked Pootie Tang? <clears throat> hey, remind me how to ban people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fun fact. Uh, Pootie Tang was written and directed by a guy who likes to masturbate in front of women. Mama well, need more details than that. <laughs> uh, most people don't realize that was Louis C.K. Oh, was it really? Louis C.K. wrote and directed Pootie Tang. I didn't know that. Yeah, most people don't. That's interesting. I didn't think Pootie Tang was funny, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think it was either. Here's the reason I know that that fact about Pootie Tang. Is that yeah. I used to say, like, all the time that, like, people only like to compare themselves against other people's highlight reel, right? Yeah. So, like, it's really easy to get down on yourself because you'll look and see, like, look at all the success this person has. Look at the things they're doing. But I always remind them, like, you don't see all of their failures and all of their own struggles. And I, my my go-to used to be, like, look, even Louis C.K. did Pootie Tang, right? Like, yeah. You, not everybody wins with everything. Yeah. Um, so don't be so hard on yourself. But now, like, I can just say, like, even Louis C.K., yeah, look at this train wreck of a personal life. Yeah, you know, you know who I feel like I was talking with my wife about this the other day. Don't What's ask up? me why this came up, but you know who I feel like kind of got a bad rap when you think about it. Oh, like, no. Pee Wee Herman. I, 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 we had that conversation last week, Sandra and I. Yeah, like wow. if you imagine, like, dude, like for what he did compared to what's occurring today, and for like yeah. the backlash he got at the time. I agree. Like, I agree. Paul Rubin did nothing wrong. I, I don't know about nothing wrong, but... Yeah, dude, if you're in a porn theater, like, why, why yeah, aren't you jacking off? I, I was going to say, like, he just... His only crime was, like, not having the internet in, to, in, invented and widespread fast enough. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what... Like, what did... I mean, like, I never went to a porn theater. Like, what, what the fuck do they expect you to do there? Like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, I assume their bathrooms are like strip clubs where there's no doors in the stalls for specifically this reason. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, yeah, somebody wants to know what your channel is. If you want to link My in channel. chat. Yeah, your channel. He says, what's the channel of the guy with oh. the charmer? So Yeah, sure, I'll type uh, it all. Yeah, so I do, stream... Do your Twitch, do your Twitter, do your YouTube. Um, give yeah, your... I, I was going to say, give your public Bitcoin address so that you can receive donations. Good call. 
Um, um, and then somebody asked uh, me to talk about net neutrality. Oh, gods. Like, if you want to get me going, because my wife was talking to me about that the other day as well. Uh, here's the bad news, guys. It's probably going away. Yep. Um, you know what really... I mean? Like, it's probably going away. But right. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something about it. So if you have not contacted people yet, um, yeah. if you don't know what it is, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to look into it. It yeah. is, uh, like, legitimately no joke. Um, it's, a, it's a really important issue for a number of reasons. And it doesn't even just affect us. Uh, it affects uh, consumers and businesses alike. In fact, I have a strong sneaking suspicion that that's the whole reason that the ISPs want net neutrality repealed is because I think that they're going to target uh, businesses and not consumers, right? Comcast keeps saying, like, they're not going to throttle your service, and I... One, don't believe them because I've tried before. But two, I don't honestly think that's their real goal. I think what they want to do is they want to throttle Netflix's service. They want to go to the people who have money. Because, like, let's let's be honest. Like, they don't give a shit about your money. They don't give a shit about my money. They yeah. care about Netflix. And if they can extort Netflix, if they can go and say, Hey, look, you know, we make content. We own NBC. We own Hulu. We own all these things. And, you know, we're going to slow traffic to your site. And then... Uh, you know, unless you pay us X amount of dollars. And yeah. if anybody says anything, we'll say, hey, we have no idea what, what's wrong. Must just be their service. Have you tried our Hulu service, which isn't slow and is performing well, right? Like they can literally just apply unnecessary pressure to competitors and basically extort them for money. Um, yep. But yeah, if you're not educated and if you think it's uh, like, again, I'm not, uh, yeah, I've said it before. I'm not like super political, uh, in terms of, like, I have my own values, but, like, I don't try to push politics on people, but this is the sort of thing, uh, this is not a party-based thing. This Democrat, Republican, Independent, um, this, I mean, let's be honest, this affects people internationally as well. This isn't even just a USA problem. Um, yeah. the, the internet is, uh, changed the way that we've used, uh, services, and change the way that our, our life works. Um, it was protected by uh, certain federal legislation for a bit because it was classified as a utility, and I still think that it should be because it most certainly is part of uh, the infrastructure of the way that we do things. So uh, yes, there, the vote has not yet occurred. There's still time to contact your representatives. Um, it is, that, that being said, there is a strong chance that it will be repealed in a three to two vote, but still like you can't complain about it unless you do something. So make sure you do yeah. something. Um, and let's keep it 100 here for a second. You can write your representative all you want. What you really need to do is show up next November and uh, vote because like, it's not a political issue in the sense that like, it's not an issue that is necessarily governed by one political party's ideology or not. But right now, the people in charge want to end net neutrality. So if you want to keep net neutrality around, you need to go vote. Yeah, so somebody just tried uh, posting something uh, in the chat. And I'm going to go ahead and see if I can get it up so that I can just go ahead and link it. So that you guys, if you don't know what to do, this will uh, at least point you in the right direction. But again, like it's it's a legitimate issue. Um, 
you don't you don't want people like essentially dictating what you have access to and um yeah i mean there's it, the, the worst part is is that like nobody really knows what they're going to do right so you're left to wildly speculate which just makes things like infinitely worse in your mind but like all of it's bad like that's really what it comes down to regardless of what you speculate all of it's bad yep um here we go sorry this is not the one that was linked but this is another one that will help you out so there's that uh the other one the old like save the internet one is timing out on me right now so linking to it's not uh super great um, but there's that. There's also, um, again, like plenty of resources online if you look it up. And if you are another content creator, it directly affects you as well because uh, you can certainly expect uh, Amazon to be targeted because of their massive, uh, you know, traffic use. You can expect Google to be targeted because of YouTube and their their traffic. Uh, the internet service providers are going to target the people who use it the most and make the most money to extort money out of them. So you will feel it. Um, yep. And on that note, let's pick a winner. Let's do it. Hooray. Since right, since right now, America is a bunch of losers. <laughs> yeah. You can't win on net neutrality, but you can win a brand new shiny copy of the expansion. Good so, luck, everyone. Ace! Ace WWF! Ace WWF, congratulations, man. You are the winner. You have a brand new copy of Cl Return to Clockwork City. If you guys are looking to win another copy, stay tuned to my YouTube channel uh, in the next few days. Uh, we'll be doing a co contest to give away another copy of that. And it'll be a fun and interactive, ironically. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little adventure quest we'll send you on so yeah i i also put up a video just before we went live as well i'm giving away another copy on youtube mine is not fun and interactive because i am lazy <laughs> just a lazy gamer huh charmer yeah i'm just a lazy gamer but that means that i'm number one on the ladder and in our hearts and on twitch views and probably money made almost certainly almost certainly <laughs> so uh yeah good show so, uh yeah good show and i guess we will see you on the ladder hopefully brewing awesome crazy yes. fun decks right yep and we'll be back next friday i think so that we will peace out homies bye guys